Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric Tonawana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind you. Reeves. All this travel and plane and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's the Net Live right now. Twenty eighth of January. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. We may not be getting this on the twenty eighth of January, but we're sitting here doing it on the twenty eighth of January. Back to our normal Monday slot. Kevin Barnett sitting in the home court. DJ Jeremy Roche back at the controls, so all audio is under control this week. And back to the couch, looking comfortable. Got his little uh, rice pad thing out for his computer, and he's all set. Dustin Aval. Settling in nicely on the couch. Yeah, you're looking good. Still waiting on the new couch. When you order one from Crate and Barrel, just be prepared. It's going to take 10 to 12 weeks to make it. I'm not sure if they're making it and shipping it from Malaysia or what's going on. But well, it's going to be a nicer, forever. nicer couch than I have myself, so I'll probably just come over and You can take hang this out. one. This one is available. We're just trying to get rid of this one. So if you have a place where it can go, I'm sure you could clean the slip covers and it would be very nice. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the stains that are on it. So. Well, that's the kids. It's children. <laughs> yeah, here's the deal. You have kids. I mean, I had a new car, a new Tahoe. It was new until somebody barfed in it. So uh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just the way it goes. Is you and your wife partying that night? Yeah, yeah. Or I was leaving for the Olympics, and my two-year-old threw up all over the car as I was being <laughs> dropped off at the airport. And you said, sorry, see ya. Literally. See how affected he was? No joke. Pulled up. Just I'm leaving for five weeks. His body rejected it. I'm leaving for five weeks. She has a eight-week-old... And the two-year-old in the car, driving me to the airport to say goodbye, pull up to the terminal, look back, my oldest son, Reese, bleh, all over himself, the car, I grabbed my bag, and ran, stripped Reese down to the diaper, put him back in, and said, bye, dear. Bye, honey. See you in a month and a half. <laughs> Good wow. luck. Yeah. Father of the year. In Boca Lupo. All right, on the show today. Did you not like the Italian, Jeremy? No, I did. I was just still laughing at your child throwing up and you being like, peace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Father of the Year Award, Kevin Barnett. On, the, on the show today. Huh? How come they're not getting audio? It's bothering me. They're not getting audio? How could they not be getting audio? I don't know. Keep talking, though. We'll figure it out. Are we getting audio? I can hear you. And it's recording. So if you're podcasting us, you sound awesome. we sound amazing. Thank you for being here after the fact. Good weekend. How was your weekend, Jeremy? Busy. Nam show, parties, Clippers game yesterday. Clippers game. Clippers stopped their uh, losing streak, didn't yeah, they? it happens. Yeah. You guys are on a two-game winning streak. Do you have the cables reversed? Yeah, last time, That'd I think. Last time the... That should uh, be the line out. Clippers went on a four-game losing streak. They went... Oh, Vinny can hear. Okay. So it's somebody else having problems. Yeah. Let me tell you what's on the show today, 28th 
of January on the Net Live, beginning of our fifth year. We're going to have John Spraw, head coach at UCLA for the men. God, the, U, the men's season just continues to be crazy. We'll get to that during ABCA College Volleyball Weekly. We also have Kelly Sheffield. Kelly Sheffield is going to be on the ABCA Coach's Corner. Brand new job for him. Moving into Madison, Wisconsin. Used to have an uncle up there go visit. He's taking over the job at UW. He's going to be working for uh, Barry Alvarez, who I don't know if he's going to keep himself as football coach or he'll hire a new football coach, but he's the athletic director up there. And then uh, John he hired somebody, didn't he? Did he hire somebody already? Yeah. After the bowl season? Yeah. Okay. John Kessel of USA Volleyball will be checking in. He's supposed to have flown in this morning just for the program. Absolutely. And, Big budget uh, here. Yeah. Live. Yeah. We're, we brought him in on a G6. So he's here, and uh, he should be wandering into the home court at some point. That's our lineup. In addition to our lovely witty banter here on the program. Speaking of which, I would like to apologize to all of our listeners for not being here for the Thursday show and having to suffer through Parting the USA by Miley Cyrus. Suffer through? Suffer. That is a that is a tight beat on that thing. That's awesome. I don't, there was like a, a year-old intro. There yeah, was. what? I gave you the new – what is your deal? You have the new intro. Why are you playing old crap? I work on the weekends. I don't, I don't know care. if you know this. You know it's in the Dropbox. Figure it out. No, I can't figure it out. It's in the Dropbox. The show just goes all the hell when I'm not here. Well, yeah. there's certain things I'm responsible for. There's certain things you're responsible yeah. for. The music's in the Dropbox. I apologize. There's everybody. nothing that Geeter's responsible for. I, that's why he's not here. I made sure, by the way, to uh, to put the disclaimer on the the chat board Thank in the you. chat room. Thank you, Dustin. Last week that you did that. not you did not back back any of the musical choices. Nothing nothing sound related last week. There's a disclaimer. Yeah, it was Thanks. absolutely out there. Gart Hoff at least the musical choices on the net live in no way reflect nor represent. <laughs> The feelings of one DJ Roche. I apologize if anyone was offended by <laughs> your musical don't choices do that last week. On the show. <laughs> don't do that on the show. If you have a question for John Spraw, John Kessel, Kelly Sheffield, or Jay and Mike, our college volleyball experts, type it on the chat board, Twitter, whatever you want to do. Remember, you can interact with us on Twitter at the Net Live. You can hashtag the Net Live if you wish. Is John Spraw the best player coach? Out there, either today or are you referring to his current playing ability? We no, have to ask him. <laughs> no, I mean his his career as a player and then becoming a coach. I played I played for some pretty good players that weren't always the best coaches. True. And I've played for some pretty good coaches that usually aren't the best players. However, John Spara, pretty good player in his own right, and and look at his coaching career. I don't know, being a middle at UCLA, is that a, is that a pretty good player? I mean, they use the middles. Tim Kelly was a middle on that team, let's be honest. Where Won a couple of national championships. Be. Well, yeah, but okay. I mean, you could say that about uh, you know some guys on the Bulls in the 90s. Luke Longley got a few championships. Well, he's one of the best players out of Australia, Luke Longley was. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Touche. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. No, I'm uh, – so you don't think he was – I'm putting it out there for I the honestly discussion. don't know because I did not get a chance to see John play. He's kind of just before my time in really coming to the sport of volleyball. So I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just playing devil's advocate for you, bud. Well, how about another player coach? Another player coach. I mean, another coach now that... Doug Beal on the national team at one point, player coach Yeah, on the national team. I mean, Karch, I guess. There's that guy, but... Well, but we don't know about his coaching yet. Exactly. We'll find out. Uh, you said there's that guy. Yeah. I've heard of him. 
trying to think of some other guys who were really excellent high-level players. Jeff Nygaard, we may eventually find out. He's with UC, USC right now. Mm-hmm. If he takes a head job, we'll find out. Because I don't think you know when they're assistants. I don't think that gives you an indication of, is this really a great coach? When they take over a program, I think you find out. Like Dave Nipton, who we talked about last week, we're going to find out in the next couple of years what kind of coach Dave Niffin really is. Longer leash on uh, on Dave Niffin than maybe some of the other uh, sports coaches you see out there in terms of head coaching ability. I think he has some time to prove himself. How much time at a place like UCI? I don't know. I'd have to know the inner inner workings there at the athletic department. I don't know what the expectation is now that that John has made it much higher, right? Three championships in six years. Yeah. I would think that that's the expectation is you're going to be in that conversation each year. And volleyball is not a sport where you're going to be like Andy Reid or who did the Chargers let go? Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer. Oh. Right after they were in the AFC Championship yeah. game, right? You're not going to have that situation in men's volleyball. I don't think you're ever going to have it in women's volleyball. I don't think that expectation is there that if you're in the conversation year to year, if you're in a championship game a few times and lose, you're not getting let go. You shouldn't. No, and you shouldn't in any sport, honestly. I agree. Oh, he can't win the big one. Well, there's 28 other coaches out there who can't even get to the big one. Yep. So what do you want? And John Take Elway didn't win the big one until his last two years, and he's considered one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Because no one remembers like 55 to 10. He got yeah. smashed well, a couple times. They were actually talking about it on Sports Center this morning because they're reviewing the date, January 28th, in terms of Super Bowls. And one of them was, uh, I think it was the Giants smashing Broncos. the Broncos. I think it was that one. Hmm. It's funny. I used to know all the Super Bowls as a kid. You I was go having back. a discussion with my son because I was at about Super Bowl 20 at the age he's at right now uh, with the Super Bowl shuffle and stuff. And at that point, I could pretty much name all 20 Super Bowls, who they were, what years. The Cowboys and Steelers get a little confusing in the 70s. But I could do it. And I remember them all the way through my youth. Now I have a hard time remembering we every single breakfast. Super Bowl since then. <laughs> And I can't remember to put the chocolate Zico yeah, in the fridge on Sunday remember. night. Anybody want some warm chocolate Zico? Sounds tremendous. But like, okay, what year were the Falcons in the Super Bowl? Don't care. Don't know. I have no idea. Ninety nine. I remember the Icky Shuffle though. Ninety nine. January ninety nine. Yeah. The Icky Shuffle was good. Yeah. That was against the Niners. What year was that? Eighty seven. I don't know. And that was a bang. I remember the Icky Shuffle. I could do it. Yeah, you're doing it seated right now. It's pretty good. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need a volleyball icky shuffle. How about Seahawks? Seahawks are in the Super Bowl. Steve Largent. No. No, not not <laughs> in that era. No, Loaf at the Tupu. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, back a few, that was just a few years just ago. Just a few years ago. But yeah. it's hard to even remember that. Yeah. Rams-Titans, what year? I mean, see what I mean? Oh, three? You can't even remember. I was yeah. in Colorado Springs. I know that. I don't Once know. I finished with school, I don't remember years of anything. <laughs> Funny that way, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, I, I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. 1996 gold medal final. Of what? Beach? Of what? What kind of show is this? We were just talking about beach or football, indoor. So. Not beach. It's an indoor show. <laughs> beach was yeah, easy yeah, to remember. Say, beach yeah. is easy to remember. No idea. Don't care. Don't remember? No. Nope. Were you on the team? Until this year, probably Atlanta. probably the greatest ever gold medal. Were you on the match. team? No. no. Were you on the team? No. no. Then I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Valid point. Was Hayden on that team? Italy-Holland. Hayden made that team. 
Actually, Hayden, as a matter of fact, made that 96 gold medal team. Yeah. Not gold medal. 96 Olympic, Olympic team. Surprisingly. Had the super long goatee going. was <laughs> crazy. Oh, okay. This is one thing I wanted to get to this morning. Oh, Speaking yes. of Olympics. Sweet. Beach volleyball. Here's how I've made the connection. From the Olympics and weird looks to Sean White in the X Games this week. Yeah. Why are people panicking about the dude's hair? I don't know. I watched X Games a little bit back one night this week. Super pipe. Preliminary round. Some eighth grader from Japan comes out and kills it. Looks yeah. cool. Yep. He's like twelve. Yeah, literally fourteen. I think he actually. is an eighth grader. Yeah. And then Sean White comes down last, and of course the the eighth grader who killed it got like fourth because there were only three or four guys who'd gone to that point or five guys. Then the then Sean White comes down last because he's the big deal, and of course he has the top score. He did what to my mind looked like a mediocre run. I'm not a snowboarding expert, but all but of a sudden he's first. We talked about last Re- week. Reputation will go on that. Yeah. We talked about the idea that NBC at the Olympics and ESPN pretty much every other day is the kingmaker. Right. Right? Yeah. They could make popular whatever they wish. X Games and Sean White are an example of that. Not to discredit Sean White's excellence in what he does, but the... The rise of Sean White, the rise of X Games, that is ESPN Playmaker. It is their product. They started it. They didn't co-opt it from anywhere else. It's their thing. So smart by them. Oh, absolutely. But it's also... uh, But my point is that they're in control. They could make popular whatever they wish. It's also an effect, though, of of a sport that's won or lost by judges. The competition isn't head to head. It's it's based on what somebody thinks of it. Right? My, my point about the finals was Sean White winning his sixth, oh, his sixth medal. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a judging competition. I mean, who cares? It's like Jeremy Stenberg won best whip, best trick last year. It was a popular vote by people. That would be a motocross reference. That's right. Yeah. Early this time. Drink. 14 minutes. Yeah. 10-14, get hammered. Um, but they took it to a whole other level. They even took it out of the expert judges. So it's bad enough that you have the judge from Russia score in the United States low. <laughs> Right, but now you actually have the fans calling in. Right. Yeah, that's just what we need. Right, crowdsourcing for excellence determination. Sports Nation vote. Oh, that show bugged me. Yeah. Well, what about since we're going to bring it back? Because I think this is a volleyball show, but who really remembers? First twenty-five minutes, it's whatever show it is. Yeah. What about you know using that environment for volleyball? More of an yeah. X, more of an X Games. Oh, I thought judging. Judging, yeah. No, more of a more of an X Games type environment where it's created by ESPN, NBC, or whatever, and we're not trying to force beach volleyball into the more traditional, let's say, competitions and losing, what, fans? We always talk about the lifestyle of it, right? Definitely fits more with an X Games. Lifestyle is dead. Sorry, continue. Definitely fits more with an X Games type of air than it does a traditional, uh, you know, old boys club. Type of environment. Should we put a trampoline in the right back? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that'd be sweet. Ten-point basket, dropping down, MTV Rock and Jock. <laughs> the lifestyle beach volleyball is dead. Right. It's a lifestyle sport, and it right. missed the boat on the X Games. If they could have gotten on the boat with the X Games, we'd be a huge sport right now. It doesn't fit with X Games, though. It's not going to be... It's not the same vibe. I'm with you. Unfortunately, I'd love it to be. Here's what I want to talk about. Maybe we'll have to give this some thought for next week, but we spend a lot of time talking about what volleyball's not good at. Mm-hmm. Let's let's figure out what volleyball is better at. Oh, look at Kevin getting positive on the sport than the, the rest of the nice. sports. Wow. One, is athlete, one is athlete accessibility. 
and the kinds of athletes in volleyball. There are a lot of intelligent, kind, friendly, honestly good people in this sport. Yep. That's where, one area where I think that they're ahead of some other sports. But I, we'd have to think of more to think where where is volleyball better than some of the more popular sports. Well, the access to our athletes, yeah. I think, is unprecedented. Maybe golf. No, you can't yeah. walk up to Tiger Woods. But you can be standing this close to him when he's hitting a shot to win a million dollars. That's true. But when he's practicing, you can't, can't interact with him. Though. When he's yeah. practicing, you can't walk up That's to true. him like you can in Hermosa Beach sure. and ask Carrie for her autograph. Right, and steal the ball out of Rosie's <laughs> hands before he serves. Yeah, you can't do things like that. Right. And then buy Did him a that copy. happen? I could. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> we need to arrange a series of volleyball punkings. Oh, well, this could go on, I'm sure. We should go down on a random Tuesday. Of course, we're filming it, but go down to somebody's court and literally run out, steal all their volleyballs, and run away. The whole lot of 50 and of them. see what happens. Yeah, just see grab them all. Have like six guys run out, grab all the volleyballs, and run away. Run down the beach. Naked. Maybe it'd be a full-on John Wooden-style practice, just full volleyball practice without the ball. Awesome. Yeah, we don't get the balls out. Like Hoosiers. Are they just doing defensive slide drills and pinwheels and stuff? No ball necessary. Yeah, no ball. Just doing collapses and rolls. <laughs> yeah. Dives. Exactly. Look, volleyball definitely has some of the most intelligent, well-spoken athletes of any of the sports that I'm around as a whole, percentage-wise. But that doesn't translate to viewership. Yeah, but not the point of the discussion. I think we spent a lot of time on that. I, I think we just – I wonder what volleyball is better at. That for sure. Okay. Well, it might take us a while to come up with some other stuff. They're pretty attractive. They're hot. I was talking about the women, Kevin. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> dudes, obviously. Yeah. I believe there's a clip of me saying those dudes are hot. Yeah, and I, I've been searching for it, and I can't find it. <laughs> I had a great discussion this week at Supercross. Asked the Monster Girls, who are responsible for the 30-second board. They hold the 30-second board up, which is just yeah. before the start. and you know They shoot all up and down. They used to shoot through the legs and have them wag their butt and all They've cut out most of that stuff these days. But I asked them, I said, so, and the woman who procures all the Monster Girls. I said, so. Procures them. Yeah. You have to you have to recruit talent. She's, yeah. she's a madam. <laughs> yeah. In a manner of speaking. Yeah. So I asked them, I said, what if one time you put a dude out there, shirtless, yeah. Chippendales kind of guy, holding the 30-second board? No dice. The world would explode. <laughs> it would explode. Did she look at you kind of funny when you asked that? Oh, they love the idea. It's awesome. I had this question. I was at the gym yesterday. I was riding the bike, and there are two screens in front of me. One was ESPN's women's basketball, and next to it was men's uh, Lakers Thunder. Yep. And the women, one of them got hurt, and they were all on the ground. And the cameras, the way they zoomed in, I noticed was different than when they zoom in on the men. Like, you didn't see any of the girls' butts. They didn't show it from a certain angle. But on the men's side, it's not like they were zooming in on the butts, but it was like all there in your it's face. Like, you know yeah. they're thinking about that too. Uh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, it's like if you – does it make it wrong because you're thinking about it and you're like, oh, no, we can't show it as opposed to just show it because it's it's nothing it's real? Yeah. Here's what society makes it weirder done. when they – Yeah, it makes it weirder yeah, when you're like, oh, no, no, don't, don't, do don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah it's, right. that's what made it weird to me. Well, and in the Olympics, I, I've had this debate a couple of times with producers. I've said, can we talk about the fact that these women are attractive? Katarzyna Skowronska, player for Poland. She is flipping hot. Just dead away, six feet tall, hot, and a hammer besides. Yeah. Like, she's the best hitter on their team. Well, apparently the you can't. The whole Polish team. That's Brent Musburger. 
<laughs> yeah, but, good point. <laughs> but but to gloss over it is a, doing a disservice to it because I 100% agree. with the Italian women as well, uh, Piccinini, those of you, do yourselves a favor. Look up Katarzyna Skowronska. I know you can't spell it. No chance but, I can but, spell that. But better yet, look up Piccinini. Again, can't spell that I mean, either. Yeah. Yeah. Spell it You'll do better. <laughs> Google will figure it out for you. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, uh, but but my my question was though their popularity yeah is based not only on their volleyball ability because both women are excellent volleyball players Lolo Jones they're both really hot like ridiculously hot well but Lolo Jones but to stay in volley for a second I mean thank you for keeping it yeah real uh, Bergsma on Oregon Miss Oregon USA they didn't shy away from that in the final four. On ESPN, and you shouldn't because it's a topic. There's nothing wrong with. But somehow about that it. that Miss USA label yep. makes you're saying she's hot, but you're saying it in the right way. Yeah. Oh, Miss USA! Oh, she won an award, so you can say that she's hot. Yeah, <laughs> didn't? And I award. and I think uh, a girl that played for UCLA just became um, Miss USA because right. of the Miss USA becoming Miss Universe or something like that. There was some. Yeah, there was something. Yeah. going on. So, as Jay Hasek said on the uh, message board, it is. it's hard to be this really, really, really good looking. Ridiculously good looking. <laughs> There's got to be more to life than There's being really, be really this. ridiculously good looking. I'm looking for it still. Francesca Piccinini. You can Francesca. you can spell that. Look it up. There's lots. And just hit images. You'll there be very are, happy. There are ways to be respectful talking about it, which is obviously possible. And then there are ways to not be. And that can go both ways. But I think shying away from things like that is... I think it draws more attention to it than if you say something about it. The omission of it. Yeah. ESPN just makes it weird. issued that apology for yeah. Brent Musburger, and everybody's like, "Apology to the person who didn't want didn't an apology." Ca- yeah, and he and I listened to the I listened to it, and I was like, "I didn't." He was saying that she's a gorgeous woman. It's not like he was drooling over or they were showing a bunch of cleavage shots. He was making a comment about how attractive she was. And that quarterback which everybody watching check. TV thought the same thing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we're sorry. He said she's good looking. She only got 150,000 more Twitter followers yeah. in seven minutes. You're welcome. Yeah. Hey, I went right out back, started throwing the ball around with my boy. I, don't, I listened to Brent Musburger. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it, boy! Yeah. Better become a quarterback. But especially like the girls these days that are wearing smaller and smaller bathing suits, are you just going to ignore the fact that they are? A point that goes all the way down to when you go out on a Friday. Sorry, this is not a test of my my ability to pay attention. If you want to put it out there, don't be upset we look at it. Just because I'm dressed like this does not make me a whore. Well... Really special show this Monday morning. Chris Rock, check it out. It was funny. No, live. No, but uh, I mean, yeah, I agree. Obviously, you could take it to the nth degree where it's like, oh, well, she dressed like this. She deserves it. Well, obviously no, not. No, no, no. But if I'm going to look at a person and you're going to wear almost nothing, yes, I'm going to look at your person. That will happen. Just like if a guy's wearing a speedo, you're going to look. <laughs> Probably. Just because he's wearing a speedo. <laughs> Just saying. I've worn a speedo to a uh, I don't want to hear Halloween. About it. I don't want to hear about Halloween it. event. Wore my swim coat. Are there photos? We could put it on. Facebook. Oh, okay. yeah. they're probably on there already. You probably find them. You turn uh, around. Turn around. <laughs> framed. In I, I just put new ones up here on the board for you each week. It's unbelievable. Eventually, this studio is going to look like a studio. Eventually. Yeah, it'd be the uh, Dan Patrick, the wall of morale. <laughs> is that what it is? The Where wall they have all the Sports Illustrated swimsuit That's models. Funny. <laughs> Pride Reed doesn't know about that. Yeah, the he probably wall does. Wall of morale. Who's Reed? 
Uh, he used to be on the show. I want to take him out of the open. I want Reed removed. Scrub from the open. Done. Next well, week. Done. Okay. Scrub him from the open. I want, see if he I want Dustin Aval in there. I want okay. Chris McGee maybe in or out. I don't know. Week, weekly basis. It should say, and possibly Chris McGee this week. That's exactly what it should say. <laughs> For our listeners, he did show up to last Monday's show that we didn't have. Allegedly. Allegedly. Was out front of Barnett's house. Eating a eating, half gallon of pudding. And then realized there was no show. And then got mad at us. I find that awesome. At least you didn't get a ticket for parking out there. Sure, good point. Yeah, we're on the positive side today. You're you are Mr. Positive. I like that. Trying to get there. Well, when you're looking for a job, you got to keep up the positivity. Yeah, it's out, it's out there. Every day, every day is a positive. There's a, yeah, there's good about it for sure. But when you're broadcasting, Kevin, do you? I mean, I know the answer to this, but yes, you're probably going to second guess yourself or think like, oh, should that is that something I should or shouldn't say? Just because that would be natural. But if there's something obvious like that that this person's attractive, but they're also a gnarly volleyball player or whatever, do you think about, like, oh, my gosh, should I not say something? I have had the problem in a voiceover session with Francesca Piccinini, as a matter of fact. I didn't say she's hot, obviously. You can't go just to that level except you're on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but even the mention of her beauty is like, is like oh, well, uh, uh, she's beautiful. How is... Drawing attention to that or noting, not even drawing attention to it because you turn on TV, you can see it. But when you note it, and it's such an obvious part, and when she's, you know, she gets more sponsorship dollars in Italy because of what she looks like. Of course. Right? Lolo Jones, has she won anything? Not in the Olympics, but in world competition, yes. Right. But in the Olympics, nothing. Right? She or almost won a gold until she tripped over the hurdle. Until she tripped over the hurdles. Exactly, which I thought she gave one of, like, possibly the best post-race interview I'd ever heard. But she would not get nearly that amount of attention if she wasn't good-looking. So, of course. And but, that's just how society is. But I for think, guys, like, too. If you notice a guy who's, like, 7'5", you're going to talk about it because he's 7'5". So right. what's the difference between saying that, oh, that woman is attractive, and yes, that guy's 7'5", because it's something about them that everybody notices. It's also something about them they had no control mm. over. True that. Right. It's a genetic lottery. It's hard being this good. If you're that hot, it's a genetic lottery. If you're that tall, it's a genetic lottery. So I should thank my parents? <laughs> yeah. For? You know what for. <laughs> <laughs> is it different for men and women, too? If it's a, it's a female, yeah, it's okay female announcer? Yeah, it's okay to say a guy is hot. It's okay to say a guy is attractive. But I don't know from a female announcer. I don't know. But it's definitely okay to, to note the attractiveness of a male athlete than it is to note the attractiveness of a female athlete. And this doesn't apply to women's basketball. This is when we need uh, Kelly here to tell us yeah, if, it we do. Have, if it would offend she her. She just disappeared or what? Ah, she, her boyfriend's having surgery and stuff. So Nick, you scared her, actually? That's what happened. She came in here one time. You Kevin make, kept making grabby, held grabby on, hands. Held on a little bit too long. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm not going to come back. Then. Yeah, or, the hug was a little uncomfortable. She took the arms off, tried to get away. I just or her boyfriend heard the show and was like, yeah, you yeah you're not back. going yeah, back. You're not going back, which is a smart man by him. Yeah. Hey, we do have some volleyball stuff coming up for you here. We have John Sprague going to be on just after the break. Kelly Sheffield, John Kessel, AVCA College Volleyball Weekly continues to just be a ridiculous men's season. All of a sudden, you think Pepperdine's pretty good? Nah, they go to Hawaii, losing five, then losing three. We're going to talk to our experts about that, and you will get an opportunity to watch volleyball if you have Pac-12 Network. Coming up tomorrow, UCLA will take on UC Irvine from the New Poly. I'm excited to see the New Poly. I will be there if people would like autographs from me. Or just want to see your mohawk in full effect. This would be the grown man mohawk, by the way. To the side, parted. 
Actually, this I just woke up and this is what it looked like. The grown man? Grown man. So I thought not, it was the balding man mohawk. No, it's a big grown man because it's not spiked straight up. You're going to need eggs to spike that straight up. It's getting too tall. You're going to need That's some sort of solution. A little bit of Steve Nash going on. First of all, that has been brought up before. Steve really? Nash is not an terrible. attractive guy. Not right And his now. haircut looks awful on him. <laughs> yeah, not good. All right, spin up a break here. We're going to come back. We'll have John Spraw for you. We'll get off on some volleyball stuff, and I'm sure we'll get right back off the rails at some point. The Net Live, Dustin, Jeremy, Kevin. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. Like a 1970s crew going. Before you were born, probably. 71? Who? Sure. Who is it? Marlene Shaw, California Soul. Never even heard of Marlene Shaw. Oh, good. I'm learning that, something. That, that one all over it. That one I didn't expect. Thanks for bringing yeah, it was on top of it. Yeah. He's grooving. Yeah, good good discussion going on in the chat board. Unfortunately, it did turn to uh, Jeremy's thighs. It eventually went to Jeremy's thighs. Oh, it should be. Everything so, always does. Yes. 
Can we uh, can we get some music going for our first guest? Only because you asked nicely. What do you do if you're going to replace a legend? You better be building a legend of your own. This man took a once destitute program and turned it into a national championship contender and winner. 2007, 2009, and last year, an incredible run through the playoffs for the UC Irvine Anteaters. He has a 199 and 106 record at UCI. He is currently in his first season at the helm of UCLA. How many championships can this coach and the rebirth of that program produce? Well, we'll find out. It might happen this year. We'll see. Perhaps the young coach states. Welcome to the Net Live once again, John Sprock. Hey, guys, how are you? Barney, you sound just like some of the alums. Immediate results. They want wins. <laughs> no pressure. Oh, pressure. Yeah, none. I got Jeremy pointing at me. I don't even know what Put he, what he wants to do. Pool. Oh, John Kessel in the building. Sorry, John Kessel, come on upstairs. John Sprock, welcome to the program. And uh, welcome into a wild first season. Uh, Kevin Wong had a great point during your last broadcast. He said eight of the ten All-Americans from last year have graduated and gone this year, have you ever seen a field more wide open than men's collegiate this year? Yeah, maybe not. I uh, got into a discussion with Kevin about it before the match. And uh, watching video, I, I've pretty much seen everybody now. I need to study a couple more teams. But I get this feeling that the – and I think this is where Kevin got his stats from. I feel like the level isn't where it was last year across the board. Um, there's a lot of teams that are replacing – really significant guys that left uh, due to graduation and everyone's trying to figure it out. There's some teams that have returned everybody. Uh, so they're a little bit better. So everyone's just kind of meeting in the middle. It's been a, just a big mosh pit in the middle and it's kind of hard to determine really who's going to come out at the end. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. It's funny to me. You mentioned that there are a couple of teams that are more complete. Pepperdine was one of those teams and you're saying they're in a good pretty good spot. They had a couple of good wins. Now they go out to Hawaii and they dump two matches in a row. So really right. nothing. There's absolutely nothing predictable about this year. No, and Hawaii's a lot better. We went out there for the Outrigger tournament, and you could see that. They were far far improved. Even though they were 0-4 to start the league, I felt like since we played them, it's probably seen them a little bit more than anybody else. Uh, we had talked amongst our staff about how they were a little bit better. They, they have some arms, and I think Pepperdine has some real nice power, but you know, anytime you have a team that can go back there and serve like Hawaii, that's an equalizer for anybody. So I, I think they'll, they'll be in the mix, too. So it'll be interesting to see. Who knows? All right, so you come into a program at UCLA. It's been 50 years, the same head coach in that position, Al Skates, and you walk into the office for the first time. Did he have all his stuff out, or is there like one little box of stuff left? No, there was so much stuff here. I, I Literally, it was a process. I remember I came in the office after I'd been hired, and I had a break with the national team. I can't remember. It was before we left for the Olympics at some point, so maybe in July before the World League Finals or something, and and there was stuff everywhere. He was like, you know, i got to clear a little bit out every day, a little bit out every day. When are, you, when are you coming back from the Olympics? And I was like, well, you know, maybe middle of August, late August. And I gave him a date. And, I don't know, it was August 22nd or something like that. And he goes, oh, oh, I can get it done by then. I can get it done by then. And I think that was a realistic goal for him. There was so much stuff. And even when I came here, he, he told me, he goes, well, I left a lot of stuff for you because I figure you may want to keep it. And, so I had some uh, cleaning up to do and some organizing. That was the first bit of priority for me when I got here. This office has 50 years of history in it, and 
maybe you've been in here, Kevin. It's not that big. So there was lots of stuff. It was uh tell you what though, it puts some perspective into the job that you take. You know, obviously fifty years in one band and because there was one person here, I think there's such a deep connection with everybody who are alumni because they all connected not just with the program but with one coach, one mentor for everybody and so I think the alumni is all pretty close and I think they're all pretty excited. I think everybody knew Al had a great run and it had come to a natural end and now everyone I think is pretty excited for a fresh start. Yeah, John Dustin here. Just wanted to check in with you. Congratulations on that hire. What was the process like coming from, like Kevin said, a, a program that you pretty much built back to one like UCLA where you're an alum, they've got this great pedigree, this great success, and mm -hmm. so maybe uh, had a tough year, a couple of tough years most recently. Yeah, it was interesting. I, uh, I I didn't really know exactly what to expect. Obviously, I was leaving a program that I loved and a program that I felt like I felt great about what we had done there over 10 years. And, and mostly, I mean, I think the hardest part about it all, because I think at the end of the day, You've been there 10 years. You felt like you gave that institution everything you had. And you always want to leave something in a better condition than when you arrived. And I felt good about where we were leaving it. I felt we, I felt I was leaving it as good a time as I possibly could. The hardest part was leaving the guys. Uh, I felt like there was a great group of guys there, uh, great character, not just work ethic and volleyball-wise, but great people. I obviously recruited all of them. I felt really close with them, especially after the championship run. Um, so that was really tough. But I knew that this was a 20- or 30-year decision for me. I knew this was a major career move, and I, I felt like I needed a fresh start. Um, coming here has been actually a little bit better than I anticipated. Um, I, I knew that there, it was going to be a different circumstance, different resources, different institution, different culture in some respects. Um, but I think I underestimated just the nostalgic, emotional connection you have with the school that you attended. And just walking around on campus and reconnecting with a lot of people in the athletics department that, that have never left. I mean, this is a place that people come and call it a career. They work here forever. And so there's many, many friends that were still here. And so it, it has been really nice to be back. And I think it's been energizing for me. I think, uh, like I said, a fresh start, being in one place for 10 years, you come here, you have new challenges, you got to uh, start a different culture. Uh, you, have to, you have to be different. And that was one thing I knew coming in. I couldn't be Al Skates. I had to be John Sparron. I had to do things a little bit differently than what everybody's been used to. So kind of restarting a culture, all those kinds of things has been very energizing for me. So it, it's been great. I've, I've loved every second of it. I'm, I'm glad I made the decision I did. It was hard, um, not just with that one, but, you know, Irvine, but also the national team. I have thought a lot about that as well. And um, But I, I made the right decision. Very excited to be here, and it's been a blast. Yeah, you also uh, brought along or brought in some of the new assistants, new volunteer um, we talked to your following, your protege, I guess I could say, Dave Niffin, last week. And uh -huh. obviously he came into a, a spot there where Fresh was still there. What's it like in terms of coming on as a new head coach and either coming into a new environment, um, completely new, where you bring assistant coaches or one where there's already existing uh, coaches? And, and how do you kind of determine which one is best? Uh, I think it, it depends on each individual and each circumstance. I think the context here was a little bit different. Uh, I think I knew I was replacing a legend, and I knew that I was going to do things differently, like I mentioned. And I've talked about this with Al, so I'm not really saying anything that people don't know. I'm just a different person. And I went to Irvine, and it was a very different situation 
than what I left here at UCLA 10 years ago. I needed to – every little part of what I did as a coach, head coach at Irvine, was a change from what I'd grown up in as a Bruin. I, I needed to, to run practices differently, and I needed to recruit differently, and I, I needed to organize differently, and, and that set me out on a path that was very different. And then I was gone for 10 years on that path. And so I became a different coach than now. And so I was coming into something that I knew – was going to be an abrupt change for a lot of people here. And uh, I just felt like it needed to be complete change. And I needed to bring people in who knew exactly what my expectations were. And so I brought in Brad Keller. He was my first hire. Uh, He was my volunteer assistant coach at Irvine for a year. I knew he knew exactly what I wanted to do, and I knew he was a great recruiter. I knew he needed to get on that. he came in and worked incredibly hard, pretty much by himself all summer, getting things organized here because I was with the national team at the Olympics. And, and then when I got back, I really wanted to bring in Andrea Becker. Andrea was with me last year at Irvine, and she just brings such a different component to coaching that I really enjoyed and wanted to do it again and, and work with her another year or two or five. I mean, she's phenomenal. Well, um she was able to get a full leave of absence from Cal State Fullerton, where she's a professor in sports psychology. So that's been wonderful. So I, I wanted to bring in just a different group. I wanted a break. I wanted to just change the culture. This culture is going to be different. Not not better, not worse, just different. And uh, and I needed some people who were familiar with what that direction was going to be. So that was, that was what I decided to do. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy with the way things are going here, actually, very happy. John, getting you around to your team this year, you guys currently are seven and four. You're three and two in conference, and coming off your first sweep of the year against Pacific Zero, uh, and your roster. As I look down your roster, and I think I mentioned this to folks watched the broadcast last week. You have an incredibly inexperienced roster. You have uh, guys who played one match last year who start this year. You have guys who did not play last year who start this year. Guys with ten matches experience who start. Right. Uh, what's it been like dealing with a group that does not have a lot of actual play time together, but just on the floor collegiately? Uh, this this whole process has been fascinating, Barney. I, not only uh, are we doing things differently as a whole, because I think usually you come into a situation, well, let's say you're coaching at a team that, that's established, and you're trying to integrate maybe four or five freshmen that don't know what's going on. But here you're trying to do it with 20 guys. And there's no real foundation of experience, like you mentioned, for the guys that are on the court. So this is really a fresh start, and it's not without some ups and downs. And it it can be frustrating at times because, obviously, I want to be successful immediately, and I'm trying to push them to do that. But that experience factor is – I've been thinking a lot about it. It's significant, especially when we're talking about some new fundamentals and some new systems. And I think those things just need to be established over time. I I think it's really hard in the current collegiate environment to get the amount of training, the amount of matches that you need in order to make uh, substantive change in a short amount of time. I think it's just really hard to do. And you just have to take a long-term view. You just have to say, okay, how how are we going to be good in May? And and take a deep breath right now (laughs) because – you know, things aren't going very smooth. I mean, you, uh, you did the Stanford match when the wheels just fell off the last two sets. After I felt we played pretty well the first two sets. So there's some pretty significant ebbs and flows. Obviously, there's ebbs and flows every match and every season, but these have been pretty striking. So I just have to take a deep breath and, 
know that the the end goal is possible. This team could be good. Robert Page has been a really nice player for us, and he like he's one of those guys that played in a couple matches last year and uh, almost none years before that, and has come out and I think he's playing fantastic volleyball for a guy with that little of experience. And we put him in a new position. I mean, we put him in opposite, and he came in here as an outside hitter, and it was actually played a little bit of both for us. So, I mean, there's some, there's been some bright spots. I think our setting has been pretty good, considering we lost Kyle Caldwell last year, and these guys don't have any experience. One of them's a true freshman, Stephen O'Dell. He's doing a great job, too. So, Gonzalo Quiroga is a, one of the guys that had started quite a bit of matches, and I think he still has quite, I mean, he does have quite a bit of upside in his game. He's pretty smooth, can contact the ball pretty well, but can improve in so many aspects of his game. I think he's a good player. He may have been an All-American last year, and you know, I think he's got a ton of upside. So I still feel pretty positive about what we could potentially be in May, and I think certainly next year we graduate one senior. And so and we re- I thought we recruited really well. So we're going to bring in a group next year that will be a little bit better too. So you know, maybe in some respects we're in a, a late May to two-year process kind of thing right now. We're just going to have to take some deep breaths along the way. What's the identity of this team? If you had to kind of boil it down to a sentence or or maybe a couple, what's really the identity of this group? Barney, that's a deep philosophical question that we could talk about for hours. I think... And I want two the, sentences. <laughs> yeah, I'm tough for that, Barney, right now. I'm tough for one or two sentences there. I actually, when I was at Irvine, I was I came up with a really concrete philosophy of who we were. Uh, what our values were going to be. And I felt like those developed over a three-year period, my first three years. And in my third year, I really came out with, uh, this is who we are, this is our definitive. And I felt like coming into this situation, I could take those things and bring them here and get it going. And I thought long and hard about it, and I just decided I wasn't going to do that. I feel like values and culture can be contextual. This is UCLA. This is different. There's some different issues. And not only are those contemporary issues, but they also have to be long-term issues. There are going to be some things that we deal with here at UCLA that are different than my experience at Irvine, and those are going to be different, and I can see it coming, three, four, ten years down the road. There's going to be some things here that we really have to focus on as we continue to build our identity. So I have been actually hesitant to come out and stay. this is who we are because I'm still learning it. I think this team is still learning exactly what its identity is going to be, and we've been going through some things as a group, and um, I think that is actually really healthy. I, I actually don't feel compelled to come right out in January of my first year of a program where I plan on being here for a long, long time and and saying this is who we are. You know, I think Everyone knows what UCLA used to be, and it's got to be different. Change is is healthy, and it's needed, and it's refreshing, and it's hard. And I think we need to just embrace that process, and, you know, hopefully we'll have some identity about who we are and how we play the game and how we act and behave and how we win sometime in March and April. If we can get a little head start on that, it would be great. But, you know, I'm staring at my board at a list of words, and we talk about it as a staff, and, I'm under no, I don't know, any pressure to really make decisions about what our final identity is going to be in January of my first year. You're listening How's that to- for one or two sentences? Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Listen to that. Long-
BibleMagazine.com and uh, VBMag.com. And we're talking to head coach John Spraw of the UCLA Bruins. And, John, you mentioned some of those things you have to deal with being different. One of the things you've had to deal with is is perhaps a change in expectations for your players, and that produced some suspensions on a trip earlier this year. What can you tell us about that situation? And, and more importantly, what came out of that situation? Um, I probably don't want to dive in, into it too much, but, uh, yeah, there's some different expectations. Um, I think back in the day, uh, we had a lot of fun here, and, and we were really, really talented. I mean, back when I was playing, 94-95, I mean, for two years there, we didn't even lose a conference match. And we were confident, and that confidence spilled over to arrogance. And But we were talented enough to back it up most of the time. And, you know, our behaviors off the court didn't really impact our success on the court very much because we were that much more talented than everybody else. And I just feel like we need to be uh, in a position right now where, and, may, and forever, I think this is just me, where we need to be pushing individual excellence across the board. And and that expectation is going to be there on these guys. That it's not just what's going on on the court, but off the court, and who we're going to be as men. It's really important to me. And I think more than ever, we need more mentorship and leadership, teaching our young boys how to become men. Yeah, I think that's uh, needed. I, I could, again, talk to you about that for hours. Um, but I, I feel like we just need to understand how we're going to act and behave as Bruins, and that's important. And so... You know, that's uh, that's going to be uh, challenging for a couple of our guys, and, and it has been, but I think the change is already starting to occur. And um, I, I don't – I told this to the team. I, I, I'm not concerned about winning. I'm concerned about our individual best, concerned about who we are as, as people. And so when that all went down against Hawaii, I mean, we went in that Long Beach State match, and I suspended four guys, and two of them were our setters, and I didn't care. You know, I I probably could have suspended one for one night, one match, and one for the other, and I didn't care. You guys are done. I mean, it was immediate. I had zero hesitation. I didn't care. And I'll do that again, and the guys know it, and I'll do it at the end of the year. And so that is much more important to me. Who we are is much more important to me than the wins, and it always will be. Is that a change for a lot of those kids to come to that that understanding? I think even for the national team, some of that focus about – process and the results uh-huh. of themselves. I think that took a long time with athletes who were older and more focused. This seems like it'd be a huge seed change for a lot of these young men. It potentially is. You know, I, I'm not totally familiar with what was going on here before, but I, I think um, this is college and this is UCLA and it's really fun. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some opportunities there for distraction and uh, you know what? I had fun when I was here. And I want my guys to have a collegiate experience and I want them to have fun. It's just about making decisions about when we're going to have fun, you know, and when we're going to make decisions on the best interest of the team. And and that, you know, that was different for some of these guys. And a lot of these guys, like you mentioned, they're all new. I mean, they're all coming into the situation. This is all new. This is the first time they're being asked to make these decisions because this is the first time they've ever been on the court. Yeah, they could well, it didn't matter before. Yeah, it didn't matter before. If they were on the second court, you know, then they could do whatever they wanted. Now they're on the first court and their decisions affect the entire team, and so they need to be held accountable for that. All right, looking forward to the match this week against UC Irvine, against your old, I don't know, how do you you put it? Not old team, but against David Niffin. I mean, the apprentice, right? The protege. He comes (laughs) to you. I get to sit next to your former mentor and the ex-head coach. I mean, this 
this whole situation is just wrought with possible conflict. I mean, it's perfect. For t- <laughs> it yeah. is, isn't it? I mean, maybe that's why it's on TV, isn't is, it? You can tell me, Barney, but isn't this the only non-Pac-12 matchup that's put on the Pac-12 network this year? It might be. I have not bothered to look that up. I think Irvine might play later against Stanford as well. I think Irvine sneaks in there because uh-huh. former national championship or current reigning national Got it. championship. Got it. Uh, but I, what are you going to do to get Niffin's head? I mean, how can you how can you get to him? How can you rattle him and get him sweating in that Letterman sweater? <laughs> I'm just worried about Al sweating in his sweater. That's what we got to worry about there. So, <laughs> uh, you're going to have a blast with Al. He's, he's got to be so much fun to work with. Oh, yeah, because he, he doesn't care. Al, Al is beholden to no one. He's yep. just honest, and he, you know, he's the only guy I've worked with in the volleyball world that has a pie chart next to him. He's got the rotations going. Like we all have the players and stuff, but I, no one works off of a pie chart except Al. That's always the innovator. You, you'd be shocked at how many things Al was involved with that was innovative. You just don't know it because it's been going on for fifty years. But uh, I, I don't. Yeah, there is a lot of storylines here, and uh, you know, I'll be honest, it's it's difficult to go out there and see the guys that you recruited and a, a coach that you worked with for all those years and be on the other side of that. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, There's got to be an element too. There has to be This is a, a good time to, to go against these guys and have everybody in the gym again, even though you're adversaries. Yeah. Well, and we've done it a few times, too. We played in the fall, and, uh, and then we played in the Santa Barbara tournament. And so I, we've kind of gotten a little bit out of our system. So hopefully we'll just go out there and, and play ball. There's you know, there's no agendas here. You know, I, I, I'm, I really think the world of Niffin. He's going to be a great coach. He was an unbelievable assistant and had a huge impact on our ability to win championships while I was there. He was the perfect guy to take over that program and continue their success. And so, you know, I wish him all the best and that team all the best. Um, but this is my team now. I'm a Bruin, and we're going to do our best to go out there and and beat him. And so, you know, it'll be a battle. I, I think. Uh, they're more experienced. They actually do have some guys on the floor that have been there for a little while, so that's a an advantage for them. And I, I think they're very talented. I, I really think very highly of a lot of their players. But we're playing a little bit better. I feel a lot better after our UOP match. Uh, we, we played a lot better with a lot more competitive energy, and we're going to have to bring it. I mean, there's no doubt that we're going to have to play uh, good volleyball in order to get a win. So I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. There'll be a lot of friends in the stands. We'll be on TV. So all this is good, and uh, you know it's another opportunity for us to play under some pressure because they're going to pressure us in a lot of unique ways that, in, in some ways, we can't even replicate in our gym. So uh, it'll be a good, good learning experience for us. So it'll be fun. Hey, John, this is Dustin again. I know earlier when we were talking about your your coaching staff, you mentioned Andrea Becker. Um, mm-hmm. I have to go a little bit further into kind of her pedigree. Some of the people might not know. Uh, the, the high performance, you know, sports psychology background that she has, and the doctorate and the PhD, all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, can you talk how that sort of helps your players, not only at UCLA but also in your in your history? I know there's a lot more emphasis in sports psychology. We had, I think, Dr. Gervais on a while back, who works with Carrie Walsh. Um, what is she besides just you know on the court stuff? I actually think that's uh, she's so. Just so people know, I. Um hired Andrea Becker last year at UC Irvine. She has her PhD in sports psychology and she, her PhD was actually in the components of great coaching. So she not only has an applied sports psychology background, uh, which I had become much more familiar with the difference between applied sports psychology and clinical sports psychology, working with Ken Revisa and the national team going into 2008. 
So I, I was watching Ken work with the team and, and seeing how effective. And I already, like you mentioned, us. I already kind of had a, a focus in my own coaching development that had shifted away from maybe statistics and and more towards the psycho- psychological aspects of winning. That's what that's what interested me. And so I was watching Ken and had my own thoughts on the process and had this opportunity when Niffin left to go to Illinois to bring in Andrea. And it just hit me one day. I was thinking about who I was going to bring in to replace Niffin and I had different names on a sheet and it, it just hit me and I was like, that's who I'm hiring. That's what I'm doing. That's the best decision. And I had to talk her into it. She originally said no and then I had to keep recruiting her. <laughs> so she eventually said yes. And um, she does a lot. I mean, it's pretty comprehensive. She not only makes the players better because she can – communicate with them about the mental side of the game and how to become a better player mentally. But she has maybe her biggest impact on the development of the program because she she really sees things from an objective perspective. She's an expert in coaching. She actually teaches coaching uh, at Cal State Fullerton. So she actually makes me better and the staff better and brings up discussions and topics and I mean, from everything from the mental side of the game to how we plan practices and motor learning, because she's an expert in that. So she she has a tendency to have her biggest impact, well, in my opinion, it's her biggest impact, in, in terms of dialogue with the staff. I mean, she's involved in practice plan design and how to make those better. And she's always, she'll be in the middle of practice picking apart everything. And uh, so I think she, she increases dialogue. Uh, she adds a female perspective to an all-male group, which is unique. And she brings a, a level of expertise in an area that I'm not an expert in, and uh, I have an interest, but not an ex- expertise. And so, she she brings a, a much more well balanced balanced um, perspective to what we do as a staff, and it I, it's been incredible. I I really hope we can keep her for a long time. She obviously has an academic career; she's on a leave of absence, and um, academics is probably a much better lifestyle than coaching. So I'm not sure we'll keep her forever, but. It's been a, a great benefit to the teams that she's been involved with, maybe even more than they've realized because of her ability to work not only directly with them but behind the scenes. And, and so we'll see if we can keep her here for a while. Uh, and she's a built-in scapegoat. It was obviously her fault what happened at Stanford. I'm going to talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. that was all me, yes. That was it. <laughs> well, hey, John, we wish you the best. I always appreciate the time that you spend with us here on the Net Live. Look forward to that match. If you have the Pac-12 Network, be sure and tune in or come to the match at the New Poly. UCLA taking on UC Irvine. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. I'll see you tomorrow, Barney. All right. Sounds good. John Crock, UCLA Bruins in his first season. First of what I think will be many. I mean, I, I think I tweeted right as it happened when they hired John that, hey, this job is sealed yeah, he said, for another 50 years. What did he say? 20 or 30 20 or years. 30 years. Yeah. And he's, it, already, yeah. he's already done a 10. I mean. I like the confidence to arrogance quote about 94, 95. Can yeah. someone speak to Eric Sullivan about that, please? <laughs> Sully, it wasn't just confidence. You, you went overboard, buddy. So says your teammate. Let me just wrap that all up to go back to earlier. John Spira, one of the sexiest coaches out there in the Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, he does not have better thighs than Jeremy. <laughs> Or better hair. Jeremy, best that's, guys in the that's business. That's definitely not better hair, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of great stuff in there from John. And I, I think, you know, next time we talk to John, we got to make sure we kind of move forward and move away from the Al Skate stuff. I'm sure for him it's kind of getting old. But, uh, you know, a, a year later, uh, it, it's got to get beyond 
replacing yeah. Allen. It's got to be more about him and his program. Well, that's the first time you've had him on since he's been the UCLA head coach, right? I think we had him right after. We had him right after, yeah. but first time like since he's we're been. We're a timely season. show. Yeah. Well, because where I would love to hear about it or, or where it's going is he has the international coaching experience, even at the assistant level. Mm-hmm. He's obviously shown interest in continuing that. Um, Barney knows that the the men's national team coaching position is still open. Still open. So do you see a, a possibility that, you know, Spira takes further steps there? What do you think about that? Not right away, right? I, I wish he would. I mean, let's say that as a as a fan of the national team. And can you do both? Could I you be? You I mean, there was a big long discussion about that. Allen kind of took a leave of absence, right? You, you, you know what? Here's the thing. The example always is that um, there are other assistant or other coaches who coach professionally, both national team and professional. Yeah, team. in almost every other sport, I would. Correct, and, and that does go on. But the, the problem is this: that the game of professional volleyball, where you have a GM who's out there signing players and you have a construction of a team and a whole, a whole business that functions without the head coach, right? There's a president or a CEO and there's all kinds of stuff that, that goes on without the head coach that goes into producing that team. Really in these collegiate programs, nothing's going to happen unless the coach is there. The coach is the CEO. He's not just the coach. He's the CEO of the program for the American model. And I think you would have to have a terribly special assistant coach who is getting compensated uh, in a way that it's not happening, especially in the men's game, even in the women's game, maybe, to do the work necessary to pick up the slack for you going out and having another job. Oh, and that's a full-time job as the head coach for the national team. Well, no, it's a half-time job. Half-time? Well, I mean three-quarters, let's say, because there is some dead time. And everybody says, oh, we're doing all this planning, we're watching video. I mean, you could drive yourself freaking nuts. I I can fill up a calendar. Of course. Yeah. I can fill up. It gets back to I think it was Chuck Knoll. I'd have to look it up. Who who said about football coaches? Look, if you can't get the job done in eight hours, you're not doing the job right. Mm. And it, it gets back to some of our other discussions about the analysis that's available, the information that's available today, and the analysis that you can do. You can you could do it to death. Yeah. And I I think that's the case with some of the planning. If you're not really familiar, and, and unfortunately we've had some coaches who aren't really familiar with the international game, you could plan yourself to death. Or you could not. But I, I think that there is a, a ton that goes into that job. Not to, I'm not trying to take away from what goes into that job, but there are a couple of months, say December and January, where you can pretty much chill out. And you should. Because it is such a tough job from March to November. Analysis paralysis. Yeah, but you see, I, I thought about that, but it's not really paralysis because you don't stop moving. Yeah. You just stay in perpetual motion <laughs> because there's just one more thing you can look at. We can yeah. look at a new rotation. There's, always more, there's always more you can look at. Right, because there's so much information today yeah. that's available that, that just wasn't available in Chuck Knoll's era and certainly the, the early 80s era. The yeah. ability to cut videotape, the ability to, to slice rotations and players and where they attack and how they attack, it's to the point, we've talked about this before, where it is not applicable and the coach really has to be a good filter from what's possible to look at to what's valuable to look at to what's really effective that you can give your players that they can apply. The amount your players can apply or what you want your players to apply is about the size of, let's say, a quarter. The amount of information available is about the size of a house. 
All right, you can you yeah. can come up with more information than you could use in a lifetime in preparation for one match. Yeah. One of the things that Sparrow said that I found really intriguing, I'd love to know more about, is he just kind of dropped that all the things that Al Skates had innovated into the game that we all use probably now right. both as coaches and players that we don't even think about where it came from. Nope. And, and he may or probably had a hand somehow in some way bringing it into the more mainstream. I'd love to know more about kind of what that is. I mean, you said the pie chart thing. Watch the game tomorrow night. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll talk to John Sprott. We need to we need to crank along here because we have the ABCA coaches corner. You have, you have um, Yes, don't question me. Are ever. you ready? I was born ready, Kevin. Just, just fire it up. Welcome to the ABCA Coaches Corner. This is an been... opportunity for coaches to learn. What? You need to give us some more energy. I was very like lovey, like I should put like brown chicken brown cow music on right now. <laughs> Welcome to the Coaches Corner. Well, well, start up, hold on, we're gonna start. Wait, over wait, like oh, like day, uh, Don Day's Lounge. Yeah, we're on, gonna start uh, over again. You ready? Wait. All right, all right. Hang on. Wait, wait. Let me compose myself. Yeah, hang please. on. Let me get my motivation. Okay, I'm ready. Welcome to the ABCA Coaches Corner. An opportunity for coaches out there to learn from the experts getting it done at a high level all across the United States. We talked recruiting for the last couple of weeks, and now we have an opportunity to talk about taking over new programs. We want to welcome in to the coach's corner. First time to the corner, but second time, I believe, if not third, to the Net Live, the new head coach for Wisconsin. Kelly Sheffield. Now Kelly. that that's some great music you had there. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, he brings value every day. That's like a walk off. <laughs> that's big time. I've been walk off. <laughs> Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. And we mentioned you just took over the Wisconsin program, but you came from Dayton, uh, correct? Yep. Yeah, we were at uh, Dayton for five years before coming here. Okay, so five years at Dayton, Wisconsin job opens up. Talk us through just the decision to apply to move. Well, it's uh, I'm not sure that uh, that too many people were applying for Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things they they called me and I think they called a couple other coaches and they sat down and, and talked with us and and uh, you know Dayton was a place I could see being at for for the rest of my career. I mean, absolutely loved it there and uh, loved what we were doing and the people that we got to work with. And Wisconsin is one of those, you know, few jobs that when they call, um, you'd be silly not to listen to them. And, you know, the more that I learned and, and the more that we kind of talked through and worked through some things and, you know, uh, and what their vision for getting the program back on track, it was something that was certainly uh, became more and more attractive to me. Yeah, getting a program back on track. What had happened at Wisconsin? What do you think are the most pressing issues? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know it's it's never as simple as as what people think it is anywhere. You know, winning is hard, and and you know when you're when you're not uh, playing at the level that uh, people expect, uh, there's probably a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, they had they had you know, their share of injuries the past few years. I can tell you that to some significant players that really hurt their depth. And I think some, some kids that, uh, that originally committed here that ended up for different reasons going elsewhere and that, uh, the pool of depth really, really, uh, hurt. And, uh, you know, and, and there's probably a few other things that kind of went into it, but, 
you know, we're trying not to worry too much about, you know, what has been going on and trying to focus in on, um, you know, the here and the now and what we've got to do to get this thing back up to the top of of a really tough conference. You've had some great results in other places. In Albany, you went 4-20 and and then had a career record of 142-79 and with four 20-win seasons. I mean, that's a that's an incredible turnaround. What does your first meeting with the team sound like? What are you focused on in communicating to the players about the change? Well, I think, you know, you start building a culture, you know, and, and that's a, you know, it's not a it's not a one-thing speech. You, you try to let them know, you know, kind of who you're about. And uh, we sat down for a while uh, a week ago yesterday and uh, just started kind of going through what, uh, what we want to value, what's important to us. Um, you know, everybody in that room understands that that's, you know, that's last year wasn't acceptable. It's not, it's not what Wisconsin volleyball should be about. And, um, uh, you know, and so, you know, we're going to, there's going to be some changes, but that can be good. It can be exciting. It can be fun. It can, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really hard. And, uh, you know, but not all of them kind of, they didn't come here for what I'm selling. And so, you know, you kind of, you let them know that, Hey, if this isn't what you're wanting, then we'll help you find another place that, you know, where maybe it's a better fit for you, but, uh, we're moving forward and you start just kind of going through that everything. It's just, and it's, for me, it's a lot more than just out on the court. You know, it's, it's, uh, how we're, how we're doing things in the classroom, how we're doing things out and when we're out in public and, uh, how we treat each other, and and uh, you know, so you just start, um, just I don't know, for <laughs> chopping wood, I guess, you know, just just talking about those things and holding each other accountable. And you know, I've been really, it's it's been neat. It's only been a couple weeks, but uh, the players seem energized, and and they're they're doing what we're asking right now. You're kind of still in that honeymoon phase, but you know, I think there's there's some energy right here that the people around the program said it's you know. It just hasn't been like that for a while. So I'm excited, and we're we're fired up to move forward. So this is the second opportunity you've had to switch programs as a head coach. Your first job was Albany, and then you switched to Dayton. And Dayton, in your first year, you went 21-13. and 13. This year, we'll see come next fall. But what what did you take away from your change to Dayton? What mistakes do you think you made that you think, I want to make this different in the first year coming into Wisconsin? How did you dissect your change back to 2000. Man, well, it's, you know, Dayton was winning a lot of matches when I got there. And so you're taking a, a program that was, that was, you know, at that time that was was pretty successful and still uh, making NCAA tournament runs, and you're trying to take them to that next level. And, uh, you know, I thought one of the things that had to happen at Dayton is the players had to take more ownership of the program, Um you know, the, I think any time that you you have a coaching change, you know, the culture is going to change, you, you know, with it, and that's just that's just normal. And uh, you know, but you know, we there was some success there going in, and so you're you're laying out, you know, your plan of just all right, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to try to, what has to happen for us to go to that next level? Here, it's you know, they haven't uh, they haven't come close to realizing their potential the past few years, and uh, for whatever reason, and. But it's still the same thing. You lay out, you know, what your expectations are, what your plans are. You know, I think the more that you do it, the more that, you know, the longer that you go, you know, you probably have, 
your communication levels a little bit better. Uh, I'm probably a little bit better communicator now than what I was when I first got to got to Dayton. Uh, you know, and there's some. We've got talent. We just, we need more of it here. You know, we need we need to get a little bit more depth. But I don't know, man. I don't know if the show's long enough for for us to go through what I've learned during that time. And <laughs> hopefully, I'm a little bit better at it. That's a good thing. Yeah. So we've had a, a couple of coaches on the last couple of weeks on this coach's corner talk about recruiting, but. From the other side of things, what's it like to come into a program being the new head coach and already have the players there that may or may not fit the system that you've been coaching in with your own players, quote-unquote? Is it is it difficult? Do you have to change your system? Is it, you know, what's it like when the players or somebody, some other coaches recruits? Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's some really good talent here. Um you know, I mean, we've only been in the gym a couple times, so, you know, we're still – I think right now it's all about learning what, what they can do. And, you know, I think early on there's – you know, I'm not just going to walk in the gym and just start talking to talk. You know, I, I want to see what they're what they're able to do and then, you know, how us as a coaching staff, how we can kind of help them. Uh, you know, but it doesn't do any good to just start – running your mouth with some really good athletes before you have an understanding of what you have. So, you know, we, it, it's not about a system. It's it's just about trying to, you know, you find your best players and you try to put them in a position to be successful. And, you know, there are certain beliefs that we have with, you know, how to how to train, and those won't change. But, you know, I think uh, I think as far as the system type stuff goes, you just you try to put your best players in positions where they can be really, really successful. And, We've got some good recruits coming in, and uh, you know we've, we're excited about that. But we've got some good young talent, and um, you know I think the chance, you know, this isn't going to be an overnight thing. I mean, we're not going to just, you know, a new coach and you know everybody's excited, and all of a sudden you go out and win a conference like the Big Ten. You know, this is going to be a you know slow, steady, hopefully steady progress uh, up. But I, that's how we're approaching it. Yeah, and let me just follow up for everybody that doesn't know. You guys did have the Gatorade National Player of the Year coming in, so it's not as if the cupboard is bare. No, she's she's awfully good. There's no question. You know, we went, uh, you know, met the family yesterday and had a nice uh, home cooked meal for the first time. Well, I've been staying in a hotel since I got here, so I haven't had a home cooked meal in about three weeks. So we went over there, you know, and you're having a you're having a nice Italian meal that's home cooked. It was it was pretty cool and. You see that uh, that you know that trophy that she got uh, the Gatorade National Player of the Year trophy that's got every every athlete and every sport in the past I don't know 20 years that have won that you know the LeBron James of the world and just on and on and on it's a pretty pretty cool trophy but you're right you know we're we've got some really good talent coming in that I'm excited to start working with Coach how about settling yourself in a new city. There's a lot of logistics. We always talk about the program and the things the program needs, but there are still individual needs. You're not just a robot. I mean, how do you how do you go about establishing yourself in a new place, and how much does does that take priority uh, during this really all encompassing process of taking over a new program for a university? You know, it's the it's probably the tougher uh, out of anything. You know, when you when you're the job is you just you get in here early in the morning and you're just kind of you know doing what you do what we what we do all the time and and you're moving forward but it's um you know when you have a family uh that can be really tough 
you know, in my case, I've got a two and a half year old little girl, and and uh, oh, back at home, back in Dayton, and and uh, my wife is seven months pregnant. She's got a full time job, and she's doing all that and trying to sell a house and everything else that's kind of going there. And uh, so you kind of, I don't know if you, if if a wreck is the is the right phrasing, but you do. You leave a lot of stuff behind for people to kind of clean up and uh, while you're moving forward. And so that can be really, really tough on the family. It's, it's got to be tough on them. It's, it's tough on me when, when, you're not, uh, when you're not around your kids. They, they won't be here until probably May or June. But Madison, man, I mean, this is a special, special city. It's an unbelievable campus. There's so much going on here. And so, you know, I haven't had really a chance to get out and explore yet, but, you know, you drive to go find a place to eat and, you know, you've you've got lakes on both sides of you and it just, it's a gorgeous place. And so I, I can see why so many people want to go to school here. Uh, man, I would have, I went to Ball State. We, had, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of knuckleheads in, in volleyball world that went there and not a great experience, but Muncie's not quite uh, Madison. This is, this is an amazing place. So. We'll get out at some point. We'll check it out and see what all this has. Yeah, so don't try and go out until about April. I mean, it'll be muddy, but you can at least go out and not. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little chilly right now. There's no question about it. Kelly Sheffield just took over Wisconsin. He's expected to do great things, as he has done in places before, and we certainly appreciate him spending time with us here as part of the AVCA Coaches Corner. Kelly, thanks very much. We look forward to talking to you in the fall about your team. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Joe Sheffield checking in from Madison, where uh, it might be above freezing today. Who knows? The Midwest has had a tough run of it lately. I looked at Chicago's weather last week. I think it was uh, low of negative 3, high of 8. Low of negative 10, high of 3. High of 19, you know, low of 0. That's just not right. (laughs) It was just just not right. It was unbelievably cold. Oh, man. So thanks to Kelly Sheffield for doing that. And And I think good we touched on it there at the end. The importance of of the coaches on person. We spend so much time on the programs here. What about the program? What does it need? What do you, outside hitters and strategy and and what do you have to do and all, all these different things that we we address that we're curious about. But forget that this coach has any coach most times has at least themselves, if not a, a wife and kids. In Kelly's case, a two and a half year old and a pregnant wife. This is a busy time in their life along with a busy time in their career. And how those two things go together is a difficult proposition. I can't imagine the balancing act of all of that. That's why whenever we're at the ABCA convention and you're at the coach's banquet and they're talking about 100 wins, 200 wins, 300 wins, 800 wins, 1,000 wins, who's the first person that every coach thanks? Their thanks their spouse. Their spouse. Absolutely. Thanks to the spouse for, as Kelly Sheffield so aptly put it, picking up the pieces. <laughs> no doubt. Putting out the fires. If your wife wouldn't have been able to clean up the bar, if you couldn't have gone to the Olympics. There you go. Picking True up, that. Picking up the pieces quite literally. <laughs> oh. True that. Oh, it's so oh. gross. I mean, still like rusted the bottom of my car. Uh, okay. This is why I need a new car. Actually, I rekindled. This is, this is why. I your rekindled. Kid threw up in it years ago. Well, because it's just worked. And it's got 120,000 miles on it. But I rekindled my love affair with my car this past Christmas break because we were driving in uh, Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear. Yep. 
And of course, this being Southern California, mountains are right there, right? No right other place there. in the world. You can well, see them in the wintertime. Probably only a couple of places in the world. You can ski in the morning, you can surf in the evening, Done or it. vice versa. Done it. It's fantastic. But people here in Southern California have trucks, SUVs, all these huge, heavy metal vehicles that are all two-wheel drive. Yep. I still have four-wheel drive. Throw it in four-wheel drive, motor right up, no problem. I helped at least two other vehicles get out of Harm's way. their two-wheel drive problems, including one guy who was trying to turn in the parking lot and slid and hit another car. Oh. So then as he put it into reverse to back up because he couldn't go forward anymore, I was pushing it off the other car, wedged between the two cars, pushing it off the other vehicle. You had your, your car was on his bumper. No, no, I was personally Physically, me. like Superman. Oh. Like me, yeah. Did you get out and do push-ups first and then push the car? Or? Yeah, and little, I, I had to limber pump. up. I did, yeah. I did a couple of Jane Fonda's arm over. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. If this was a video show, you could really see them. You are. We should get a simulcast going or something. A little feeling. webcam here? We talked about it. Uh, nobody wants to watch this. Jeremy, let's take 30 seconds. We're going to come right back with the College of Volleyball Weekly. I know Mike Sonheimer's going to be upset, but Jay Hasek won't, and they can take over as they did last week, if we experienced similar issues. Then at live, right back, just a second. Remember, it's iTunes, the NetLive Blog Talk radio feed. That's the one that we're using nowadays. I think, guys, we're probably near 200. I, I haven't done the official count because some of the early episodes are lost. We have to be coming up on the 200 mark. It's probably a good thing some of those Pretty are soon. lost. Pretty about four or five, I think. Yeah. Man, it is, it is good that some of those are lost. All right, punch, the, punch it up. Here we go. In association with the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Because we are in association with an association. With associations. The NetLive is proud each week to present the best of what was and a preview of what will be in the world of college of volleyball. We talk about it, but we have some experts to really inform us on it. Welcome in Jay Hasek and Mike Sondheimer. What is going on, boys? Happy to hear from you. Happy to hear from you, Sandy. Hey, uh, are you calling from a landline, Sandy? Because apparently Barney thinks we're calling from cell phones. We're calling. I've been on a landline every single time I've talked to it, except for once or uh, twice. I have too. So, what landline do you want us to call from, Barney? Hey, I just want to know if you can hear us because I listen. I see. You sound much better today. Oh okay. my God, it's crystal clear. I can't believe it. I'm like, I think I'm, we, I'm like Barney. Right I think here. we have to start with Jay though. Now we talked about his history, like a team playing a bundle of five set matches. 
I heard there was a match in five sets on the East Coast this weekend. First time in the history of rally scoring where both teams hit less than 100. <laughs> you know, Sandy, you might be correct on that one. Uh, Never seen I, one like that. I, went, I started looking at my stats, and I couldn't find one with two teams both in men's <laughs> volleyball and rally scoring both hit under 100. But I heard that happen last week for the first time ever. I, I think it's the first time ever, not even only on the East Coast, ever, I think, uh, is what it was. <laughs> I couldn't find another one, so I was going to see if you've been in one of those matches like that. Uh, yeah, it was us, actually. Uh, let's, oh, let's really? Talk, oh, yeah, it was, it, it was us, Sandy. It's <laughs> a shocker that you would know that. <laughs> hey, go ahead and ask some questions, Barney. We'll let you lead this week. Oh, good, good. I enjoyed your banner last week. I thought it was excellent. As a matter yeah, of fact. Are you going against Harvard? You and the smart kids, they have you figured out? Well, listen, I think they're smarter than you, Barney, because uh, Pav came up to me last week before the show and asked me how that Pepperdine education was going for you because apparently you thought Argentina was in the Eurozone. Does that uh, ring a bell to you? Something about a, a broadcast you were doing up at Stanford and you were talking about Kiroga and saying, you know, speaking of Kiroga, how are those kids from Europe usually to work with? And you were talking to, uh, to Kevin Wong. Does that ring a bell? I think I said international experience. I may have said European experience. <laughs> I just want you to know that Pav was busting your chops there. So. People on the West Coast knew exactly what Barney meant. Um, <laughs> that's a great Probably did say that because it often gets referred to as European volleyball because the Argentinians. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, you asked me about Harvard. Is that what you asked me about, Barney? So that I even care now. Yeah, I know. I Let's know. move Harvard. On. Harvard, very good team, uh, and we have been talking about this for the past uh, for the past few weeks now. Uh, the EIBA uh, is a much more balanced uh, conference this year, and uh, you know, as Sandy likes to put it, you know, we we walk through everybody every year to get to the final four, and it's just not the case this year. Uh, and and that's good. That's good for us, and it's good for the fans, and it's good for volleyball in general and the EIBA. And you know, it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see this week when Princeton goes out and plays. Uh, San Diego and Santa Barbara, and then in a couple months, I believe Harvard goes out and plays a couple of teams like Cal Baptist and and uh, and somebody else. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how they fare out there so far. Uh, Mike, I want to ask you about the MPSF and the way things are going because it just continues to be back and forth. It's back fantastic. Houston loses to Stanford, which is an unexpected result. Pepperdine goes to Hawaii and loses three two and then three zero. Uh, as I mentioned to John Sprott, is there anything that's predictable about collegiate volleyball this year? Well, the one thing that's predictable in the MPSF is that all 13 teams, when you look at Cal Baptist beat Irvine a match, have a chance of making the 18 MPSF tournament. And I'm wondering if anybody in the MPSF can win three straight matches. Stanford will get a shot to do it this weekend when they go to Hawaii. But the nice thing is, is that we talked about parity before the year, and anybody in a given night, especially at home, can beat somebody else. And the thing about it is Pepperdine, that first night, put so, so much into it, thought they had wrapped up Hawaii and then had nothing left to play on the second time around. It's just really difficult sometimes in these conferences to win games on the road. New ACCA poll just out. BYU at number one once again, this time with 15 first-place votes. And I see that one vote for Penn State being number one. I'm not sure about that 3-2 uh, situation at Harvard First place, I'll tell Pav to keep that one in his pocket. You know you can't vote for yourself, Barney, so don't even go there. UC Irvine, number two. Stanford, number three. Pepperdine drops to number four. UCLA, five. Penn State, six. Long Beach, Southern California. Cal State, Northridge, and Ohio State, your top ten. But then also Loyola, Chicago gets a couple of votes. Uh, you know, Jay, you possible. about some of these guys out there. But Loyola, Chicago lost to you and lost to George Mason this week before defeating my own Nidgets. 
Uh, <laughs> is Loyola Chicago really a threat in the Miva? Uh, I think they are every year. I think, uh, you know, Sonny's mentioned them a few times. Loyola, when they went out to California, half their team had the stomach flu. There was a story floating around, and, and I think Shane verified this. There were guys throwing up in their bags in the van on the way to these, some of these matches. And so I don't discount those losses as being, oh, it's just Midwest volleyball and these guys aren't that good. They're a good team. And, you know, George Mason going out and beating Loyola in their place says something about Mason and it says something about the EIVA against, the, uh, against teams out there. But Loyola is a threat every year. Shane does a nice job of recruiting. He has a great school at a great location. So, I mean, they're, you know, it doesn't shock me they're getting votes. Uh, it's about time that, that they start pumping back up there for sure. Man, Vomit is all over this broadcast this week. I don't know why. <laughs> Who is? Vomit. Oh, yeah, that's right. I heard about that in the beginning. I've colonized Pepto Pink. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, if out west this week, you expect their favorite. Who's going to have a good week? Oh, there's a big match. SC and Pepperdine, I think, is a huge match because both teams have been so up and down. And I think San Diego coming in and playing UCLA on Saturday will be a big match. And then Irvine and UCLA is a TV match tomorrow at 7. And Irvine, I, either Long Beach State is way better than I think they are, or Irvine is just really struggling right now. Because Long Beach State played a great match to go 5, and Alan Knipe has got them playing really, really well. And they're going to they're gonna keep getting tested, too. Uh, I'm going to be interested in seeing what Stanford-Hawaii does this week. Hawaii had a banner weekend. I think they, they're they're starting to turn a corner here. Made some yeah, lineup changes. Along. Yeah, yeah and, they're, and they're they're starting to play well. They beat somebody's Pepperdine Waves. I don't know who that might be, but they beat Pepperdine in five the first night in a really epic match, and then the next night they handled them in three. And so I'm anxious to see if Hawaii – uh, is putting it together and it's kind of setting the ship, or if Stanford's going to hand it to them. The other one I'm going to be listening for is I want to see, uh, again, what Princeton does out there against San Diego yeah. and Santa Barbara, and a vote for my old alma mater, Santa Cruz, playing at Pacific this week. Let's see how the old slugs are doing up there. Up, uh, Pacific's going to win 3 0. Oh, Sandy, you're always right. Too. This is the sad part, but it'll be it'll be a dogfight nonetheless. The Pacific's actually Pacific's very another one of those teams that's very good. They've had a couple that's of big right. wins, and they have a chance to get the MPSF this year too. Yeah, Jonah Carson, assistant coach, doing a nice job. Joe Wartman, letting him do his thing and and bringing some kids along. They're doing a really nice job up there at UOP. Yeah, I was really I'm, surprised. I'm really swept them yesterday. I was really surprised because they've been. They, I mean, they beat Santa Barbara. They've been playing really well. They beat USC and. It was just yeah. surprising. UCLA, UCLA came in there and swept them. And Stanford, though, with the double libero now, is really, really playing well. And their hitters, James Shaw, looks like the uh, national freshman of the year right now. Wow. Yeah, no doubt about that. James Shaw is the real deal at setter. John yeah, he Ke- definitely is. Downstairs that Princeton is going to crush the West Coast teams. I don't know what that's all about. Oh, I like it. I like it. Kessel's in the house, huh? And anytime you talk about the slugs, don't we have to have an asterisk that Jonah Carson's your best friend? Uh, Jonah, Car- Jonah Carson is one of my good friends. Yes, I- best friends is such a subjective term, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when you talk about Pepperdine, how you are obligated to say that you guys are always going to be the best. I mean, that's it's the same thing. I thought in volleyball, everybody's best friends. That's the one thing nice about the sport. It is true. It is incestuous. Hey, speaking of best friends, uh, and nowhere near best friends, there's some move on. There's some shaking up going on here. 
in the men's realm. And I'm not going to mention any names because nothing is set in stone yet. But there is some movement, uh, it seems to be, uh, in some programs wanting to start up new teams. Uh, and it's really exciting on this on this side. We're hearing some big-name schools. We're hearing some small-name schools as well, but some big-name schools that are interesting in, uh, in starting some teams. So uh, wherever this movement goes, I sure hope – uh, that it that it goes forward. It's really exciting to hear. I want Nebraska on that list. I want Texas on that list. Oh, I think okay. it's the only way this grows. I'll tell you what, it's close to that geographic region, and I'd really, really be interested to see if that doesn't start some dominoes falling. Um, seems to me that there's some ADs out there that are that are opening their ears to uh, Andy Pye, uh, who is the, the director of, of new programs at USA Volleyball. He's making some inroads, and uh, he's talking to some people. And, uh, you know, it, it's all hearsay right now, and it's all kind of, you know, being batted back and forth. But it's neat to hear that there are some ADs out there that are warm to the idea. So. Very good. good news for the sport of men's volleyball, or maybe good news, allegedly. Yes. Information. Yeah. We hope. Good news. For we hope. Volleyball. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for your contributions, we look forward to another good week of men's volleyball, and we will talk to you on Monday. You got it. See you later, guys. guys Take care. Jay, for College of Volleyball Weekly. Giving us a break like they always do. Yeah. I, I was glad this week they could hear us. That was yeah. good. We're going to take it. Take another short break here. I want to make sure we say thanks to Spire Institute for their support of this program, spireinstitute.org. They're doing great things with sport and youth out there in Ohio. And also thanks to Volleyball Magazine for this show. And DJ Roche, I think it's about time we clearance those shirts. $10 starting sometime this afternoon. Sometime this afternoon, you can get your NetLive t-shirts for just $10. $5 shipping, $15 total. You get a T-shirt. It's a killer T-shirt. Those that have one, it's wearing out. Pick up another 15 bucks for a really nice shirt is good, and we will move on with some new stuff. We'll get the I Got Next Set hats put together. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting much. new stuff until we get rid of the T-shirts. So if, I, you, fans. if I bought one at full price, do I get a refund now? Or nope. That? No. You supported the show. That's part of your fifth man bid, actually. It's yeah. part of the prerequisite. Must have bought NetLive shirt. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my rider next time I'm here. <laughs> with the chocolate Zico. Yeah. Cold. Hey, Kevin. Cold. Jeremy and uh, what's your name again? Fifth man of the year? Hi, Dusty here. Dustin Aval hanging out in the home court. John Kessel coming up next from USA Volleyball about all things grassroots.
<laughs> Can we come back? Jeremy, I know you're busy on the chat board there. Welcome back to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, here on a Monday, the 28th of January. We hope you're getting us via iTunes. It is free. We hope you're supporting our sponsors out there, Volleyball Magazine. They've been working hard to bring that that rag back to what it used to be over there. Big thanks to Aubrey Everett for her support of this show and everyone else who's gotten behind the program over the last few years, everyone who contributes, especially Spire Institute, who has been the presenting sponsor of this show for Oh, going on a better part of a year now, a little bit more than a year. Kevin Barnett holding down the home court with Dustin Aval, and now he's taken away. Hello, DJ Jeremy Roche's mic. Uh, you know we're still working on a budget here, so we only have so many mics. But he brought his own headphones. We want to welcome in to the Net Live. I think for the first time, have we talked to you on the phone before, John Kessel of USA Volleyball? No, I haven't had the honor, but I'm really glad to be here because of the fact that you know this is a hallowed ground. This is uh, this is the home court. This is home court for sure. We so, talk about him a lot. We just never talked to yeah. him. Probably That's more right. about my son than me. Well, we, rightfully so. We definitely have mentioned the uh, the volleyball hall of fame, and that you have the volleyball hall of fame Rocky Mountain. It's actually your office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a. Uh, it takes a while to get out of my office for most people, just because there's 42 years of. Uh, volleyball coaching memorabilia plus my dad used to play in the 50s so i've got stuff of his and and uh with 40 countries and every state there's always something special that you get when you help the other people from other places around the world so your official title at usa Volleyball, the director of grassroots no it's a director of uh, sport development now sport development now okay so we've given grassroots a different name yeah, that's a more official name, I think. And then I also do it for the WOVD, which is the World Volleyball, same director of development for them. So between sitting and, and uh, the grassroots, like the pretty much the 18 and under programming is what we're really focused on. But this next few years, we're really working on 11 and under. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know USA Volleyball membership is uh, free for eight and unders right now. Um, it's going to probably get to be free for 11 and unders if we have a the sort of the the board understands how we can grow the game for the youngest level because that's our pipeline, you know, getting kids to love the game when they're really young. I was just at a school tour yesterday for my about to be sixth grader, and yeah. they were talking about volleyball and trying to teach volleyball. Yeah. It's a challenging sport to teach it's because really it takes hard. the technical expertise. What kinds of things can people do if they're looking to teach the game to, say, anyone under 14? What well, What types of equipment do they need and what types of things can they do? Give us a couple, and then I know you have a lot of places where, where there are resources for people, for people to access. Yeah, the access stuff, is, of course, is the grassroots button um, on the USA website. We've got video and just you know more stuff you can count. But for specifically to the 14 and their age group, uh, there's two big things. One is to not play six on six. So like one of the videos we put 12 up, on 12, like Chinese? Yeah, not nine. Nine on nine? Nine on nine. Uh, and in the asphalt in 105-degree heat. But... It's really, so kids really love volleyball that way. <laughs> it's more about this two on two, three on three. Um, you know, you go into a, a normal elementary, elementary school gym and you see six hoops up, and then they put up the net, and then volleyball is supposed to be popular when all they do is stand around and watch. They never play. So we've got this system called four nets on a rope that you go side basket to side basket twice, and then you get eight nets up where there used to just be one net. And then that lets the PE teacher or the t- kids just play one-on-one, two-on-two, maximum of three-on-three. So that's the first thing that little kids need to do. Um, the other thing is when they're really young, 
is a balloon or a balloon ball um, in the mini volleyball book that's free both in Spanish and English online is this pattern for a, a, making a mini volleyball out of a out of a book that or out of uh, any fabric, including the kids in Hawaii do it out of their dad's Aloha shirts. You now they go raid the Aloha closet. <laughs> Probably yeah. some big volleyballs out there, right? or even just a plush ball. We used to play the plush ball all the time in the house. It's a little yeah. a little bit of hell on the. Uh, the particular so they make loose items pattern, in the home. And they make it, and then they put a balloon in it, and then that slows the ball down quite a bit, um, like probably about a third speed of dropping. When they're really young, playing with a balloon, I mean, I think one of the most intense matches I ever saw um, through Nev was the uh, – it was Timmons against Karch with a balloon over a over – a, table in Neville's place and it was the most intense match because to put a balloon down on either of those guys is really impossible <laughs> and that otherwise the ball falls at the same speed for an Olympian as it does for like a 12 year old when it's a regular ball and that's that's the challenge that you just got to learn to play but the cover of that book you're looking at you know that's Ryan setting that's that kid's first spike in his life that's and he did it within five minutes of coming into the gym he's we because we, you teach hitting first that's a big shift to hook a kid to love the game just like dunking is a kind of a fun thing in basketball or at least shooting baskets for us it's not about forearm passing it's about teaching hitting and then you get them hooked and then you teach them forearm passing and this kid has his chest above the net so apparently this eight-year-old has a 65 inch vertical baller actually it's lance armstrong's youngest son Oh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, this uh, this is a great book, Mini Volley, Volleyball for Youth. And it's free online. Um, We can also ship it to people if they just send us a self-stamped address envelope with like a buck fifty on it so we can put it out to them for free. But uh, it's in Spanish and it's in English and 40,000 copies or 30,000 copies plus more that we haven't counted in the ones that have been uh, downloaded for free. So, But we have 30,000 copies of it out. Jay Hosick and I had an opportunity to uh, play in the sitting game at this past yeah, ABCA exactly right. convention. Yeah, was, actually, the second I got time, pictures of that, boy. <laughs> second time I, I had a chance to play in that game, and that, that seems to be an area that, that's really expanding. And the blend between what we're talking about and sitting is you could play in your living room. My brother and I used to play in the living room all the time. We'd set up an ottoman in between us. That was your net. And you could hit off the ottoman. Yeah, uh-huh. And but there was such a thing as too hard. We played with a, a plush ball. Yeah. But I mean, more facials the better. Obviously. <laughs> and we actually used to use old wrapping paper like around Christmas time because we get together with with family at Christmas time uh, rolls as your lines. Mm-hmm. And man, a living room volleyball, it's yeah. intense. You're talking about Karch and, and Timmons, and that's that's a high level there. Balloons. I mean, that's you that's get where any you family together. Just, that's where you just start blow it up good. in the living room. That's where you start getting good because you're having fun. You're not drilling. I mean. One of the things that we keep working, I was just back in Calgary this weekend doing a, like 150 coaches up there, and we keep forgetting that the game teaches the game. And one of my questions to the audience is, you know, how did you learn to ride a bike? Did your parents hire a bike riding coach, or did they send you to bike riding summer camp, or did they put you through bike riding drills even? I mean, it depends on your, your state of ability on two wheels. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do <laughs> And maybe in motorcycling they do. I don't know. But I bet there's no motorcycling coach that they make you do. You just tell your son or you know your kids how to do it. But you don't 
send them to camp and make them do motorcycle drills. You ride the motorcycle, and then you'll figure out how to ride the motorcycle. Right. Then you get some coaching. Yeah. I like when the guests bring up motocross. That's always good. No, but the, <laughs> but there is there is definitely information available. You have a ton of it in different ways for yeah. people who. Yeah, their kids have been introduced. Maybe their kids showing a little bit more interest in the game. Maybe they are themselves as parents showing more interest in the game. Yeah. But you have uh, your webinars. Yeah, the webinars for sure are a big part of it, as well as the recorded videos. Like uh, you know, we've got you on the docket coming up. We've got uh, Tom Hoff already done. Uh, Gabe Gardner did a great one on perseverance because the guy finally made it, you know, and so we had him talk about perseverance. And then the blog itself has been condensed in the last four years that I've been doing it into two books that are free. One is for players and coaches or players and parents, and the other one is for coaches and club directors. And we put them all into this free way to read it in a different way because there's a some of the stuff I write is for parents and players. And, yeah, coaches like to know about it, but they like to know more the how do I run a free ball drill or how do I do those things better. So we put it in the two different books. I keep hearing the word free here, John. you got to monetize this stuff. I mean, you uh, should be rolling up here no, in your, your private you, black limo. We should be we, talking, right? When we grow to a million members and get fans because of things like you guys are doing, when we get to those levels, it, it gets monetized just because there's more members, you know, not because we have to charge you to, to buy a book to to make kids like the game. So at the very grassroots level, including free membership, that's what we think at USA Volleyball will help connect to the expertise and connect the Olympians down. So, yeah, they could go to a clinic of yours, but I'd rather fly you in, pay you, but not charge the kids. It sounds like a great plan. Yeah. It is a good plan, and it's going to be happening. <laughs> John, uh, um, you know, we talked Justin's a lot. Justin's also unemployed. Yeah, absolutely. I'm available. Uh, I've heard <laughs> a lot. Cat talk, too? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, we've we've heard a lot about the grassroots and growing the game and the sport development from from the youth level. Is there a portion of your um, of the sport development that's involved with recruiting other athletes or just making the game of volleyball more accessible to some of the people that maybe grown up and just not haven't been exposed to volleyball through their life, or is it just just for the kids? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, uh, probably about a quarter of what we do is at that adult and above. We do the NCVF. We run that tournament where, you know, the Dalhousers discover volleyball mm -hmm, at exactly. that older age. And, and there's a lot of men and, and even some women that discover it at that age. And then, you know, we, we're always disappointed that the, <laughs> the kids not only don't know who Barney and Karchar and, and who even Hooker is sometimes after just a year, they go, who? We're also disappointed that they don't realize you can play at the U.S. Open this uh, year in Louisville um, in the 75 and over age division or the 65 and over or the 55 and over. So yeah. that whole master's program continues to be a place that we keep getting men and women to understand the opportunities available for this truly lifetime sport that we all love. You know, I mean, you know, we just keep playing. And the sitting game is changing its name to uh, Paravolley partly because they want to get more people to play the sitting game. If you went to Holland right now, there's 4,000 members of their sitting volleyball association. 3,500 are able-bodied. They're just playing it because they don't have to hurt their knees. You know, they don't have to jump. They're just playing. And the other 500 are actually disabled athletes that are getting the training or playing or trying to go to the Paralympics. But everybody else is playing sitting volleyball. I was in New Zealand about two months ago. They started a whole sitting volleyball league for the, the adult league that it was a rotating thing where they played doubles one night, then they played sixes, and then they played sitting, and, and they rotated through. 
so that they all could not have to jump as much. <laughs> I think it's really there. It's all about there. So it, it, it is, uh, you know, as you may see, we see a fall off in men and we see a fall off in women. And the fall off on the women's side uh, is kind of depressing to see where you've got so many kids going through high school and club ball, and then they don't make the next level, and they stop playing. And that's one of the places we're working on retention a lot. We're going to have some targeted stuff. Do they get burned out, and, and do they come back later as adult players in their 30s, post-family, post-kids maybe? I think some of the kids get burned out the way they're trained. Um I can promise you that both of my kids aren't burned out, and you know they're going to probably play as much as they can, as long as they can. I think it's the training that really uh, helps you or hinders you from loving the game beyond your high school year, beyond your college time frame. Um, and I, you know, that's sort of my take on it. I'm, looking, I'm not burned out. I'm still playing. I'm looking here through the USA Volleyball Youth Coloring Book. Lots of great pictures in here. Uh, I know about this guy digging a ball off his bicep. <laughs> a great dig right there. I've seen that in a lot of volleyball uh, games in media, in broad media, how bad it is. Like, that's, that's a good play Yeah. in a commercial that features volleyball. That's a really nice play. Uh, but there are some people here. I wonder, uh, okay, I see number four here blocking. Is that Phil Etherton? That is, yeah. And next to him, is that Riley? That is Riley. Riley's got Lego hair. I'm not sure about that. And then I, it's I mean, a coloring book for Lord's sake. Well, I understand. I understand. <laughs> Here's here's he's just a, mad he's not in it. Here's a the gator alligator dig. The here's a gator. gator. Is that Dan Madden? Is that <laughs> that's just Danny Kinda? I think. Yeah. Uh, well, who's this? Who do we think that is? It's well, a hippo. It's a, it's a coach at least. It's yeah. a hippo as a coach. Who could that be? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you want to touch that. Never mind. Here's some sitting volleyball, and we have, we have Logan volleyball. Tom in the back. Yeah. I noticed this is definitely Logan. And now, mm-hmm. okay. If I'm Riley, I'm a little upset that I I look questionable, but Logan definitely looks like Logan. <laughs> I can tell that's Logan, the 15, the Mizuno. I mean, that's a, that's a nice sketch. <laughs> and then, okay, here's a beach one. Now, I want to get opinions because I think I know who this is, but I want opinions. Who's that, Jeremy? <laughs> the other side. Right here? Yeah. Okay, but who's that? Dustin? I can't tell from here. It's great radio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Nicole Branagh. It is female. It's Nicole. Yes. Look at that. It is Nicole Branagh. Ocos de Aguila here. Okay, Nicole Branagh. So USA Volleyball Youth Coloring Book. How is it that you can you can get kids to stay in the sport? I mean, even if they touch it through gym class, let's say, where you're rotating around and middle front is setting, how do you get kids to, to want more information on the sport? Where do you think you can really touch them today in their media stream. I mean, it's, it's kind of a funky way to put it, but that's really what it is for everyone now. They don't just watch I mean, TV. It's their own media stream. It's partly why we're here. I think if you look at the Facebook page versus the website of USA Volleyball, you're seeing that those daily questions, those involved, uh, what are you thinking about? Who should be this? Who would you want to listen to? Would you want to talk to stuff? And, and but The, the interaction. Other, huh? Yeah, that that level. We're going out to every we hope to be in all 50 states in the next four-year cycle, but to go to their PE teacher convention, uh, we're going to 10 to 15 a year, and we go in, and when the PE teachers come together to on a, uh, one of those uh, teacher days off, and they learn about everything, well, they, we've got volleyball sessions, and we've got the volleyball booth from the region, and we pay for the booth, and the region does a session on volleyball, and the same thing about to get younger kids to love it, you can't play nine on nine or six on six. You've got to play the way William G. Morgan created it, which was one, two, or three aside. I mean, people don't realize Morgan created the game, and his first rule was when one serve, 
one player each side, you know, you served once. And that's, he was, he wanted to even play one-on-one and he started doubles volleyball in 1897. So I think the other part about kids uh, simply is this, is, is back to the game versus drilling, um, especially in a PE class level, because, okay, SGMA says there are 6 million beach players, according to the demographics, or beach and grass, doubles players, all right? Okay. That's a lot of people. How many beach coaches do we have? Stein Metzger. Probably about yeah. half a dozen, too. You know, I mean, like Allie and, and Dave Williams, they're doing a lot of work to get more with, with Diana Cole, but but up until five years ago, I would press anybody hard to say more than one beach coach and yet there's millions of people playing because the game teaches the game and so my biggest frustration to the parents that might listen to this show is that they really want their kids to play down or to play only their age group i think it's one of the things that's slowing down usa development is that kids play age group only and don't play up or play even against adults and both cody and mac you know, they're products of playing beach or grass in Colorado, where we're from, doubles against adults. Max started playing when she was 11 or 12. She started playing at Women's B. That's how you get good, not winning the 12-year-old division against other 12-year-olds. So that parents that, you know, kind of want to see success when they're 12, you're going, yeah, but you're slowing down their development because they're just playing 12-year-olds. They should be playing up. All right, so I've been in this game a while now. I've been in basically yeah. since 1993, so a little while. You've been in double that yeah. amount of time, more or less, right? What what big changes have you seen in the volleyball community itself? Community, um, two things I guess come to mind. One is beach versus just indoor, the focus, you know, the, the, the change from beach being a, sort of a cultural thing to a worldwide phenomenon. And I think the other big thing is the change to rally scoring, because when I used to run junior Olympic tournaments, I can remember saying to moms and dads, I know it's four o'clock in the morning. I know your daughter plays in the 7 a.m. match three hours from now, you know, or start the 8 a.m. match has to be there by seven. But this is side out scoring and this is nationals. And we, you know, they, they've been duking it out. What do you want to do? Flip a coin and say it's over? No, they want to play it out. So the rally has made everybody get home earlier. It's made more upsets because the matches are shorter. And according to finite Markov chains and the science of the game, you know, the, if you play a one point game against Andre Agassi, you might win, but the longer it goes, the more likely you're going to lose to anybody that's really good. So shorter games make for more upsets. And I think that's a good thing too. What year was the first ball designed for volleyball? I think 1897. Close. 1900, but, according to the list. By Spalding? Huh? I think it was Spalding, too, that did it. Uh, it is Spalding, yeah. yeah. They've been a big supporter of, yeah. of volleyball back there. I remember helping him with that back then. <laughs> <laughs> Gringo, you had something over there? You look like you uh, you had something. No, I was just I was into the uh, discussion John mentioned earlier, the coaches on the sand game. Now we're seeing the NC2A sand game grow, and I'm noticing that a lot of the coaches that they're hiring aren't specifically – beach coaches yeah they're volleyball coaches and i was just sort of going to put something out there is do we as a show or as a group or even on the chat board think that's good that the coaches are just volleyball coaches or or are they better prepared to compete at that level if it's a specific specialized sand volleyball coach and uh, as a follow-up does does usav and you know 
have any programs. I think they do. Yeah, uh, especially yeah. certified to be a beach. Yeah, coach, we actually right? go with Beach Cap, which is a f- four-hour to six or five-hour course up to Beach Cap One and Beach Cap Two, and, and it's you know it has the specificity and uniquenesses to the beach game, which include wind and. There's only two of you, and you know you get to pick your own uniform, you get to pick your own partner, you get to pick your own music, and all those good things that sometimes you don't see on the indoor side. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, principles are principles, and that you know it's amazing. For example, um, I'm go up to Calgary. I say, let's hit, and the and the coaches, the players start to throw the ball to the setter, and then they jump up and they spike it. Okay, if you went to a beach court and said, let's hit, what are they going to do? They're not going to throw the ball to their no. partner. They're going to dig said hit. Yep. And they're doing the right thing in beach that needs to be done way more in indoor. And they're doing it because they don't have a coach <laughs> at right. the time. Now that a coach does it, principles are principles. I pray that they don't all of a sudden start throwing the ball on the beach instead of they're doing what the right thing is, handling the ball and playing the game more. So, you know, it, it's a simpler game, of course, the, the beach game, but it's got its other complexities that include the the ability to time and read and 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 understand. I know the one of the things that Peter Vint did that I thought was fascinating with uh, Jake and, and with Given Rosenthal. He was teaching them that their block timing was off by about three thousandths of a second, and they were going, "Ah, oh, that's a perfect block." And then they'd go watch, and they'd see that they were here and not there when the ball was being contacted. Their brain was thinking that they were on time, but it took the technology and a coach to say, you think you're on time, but you're not. And so they come down and go, oh, that was perfect. Then they go look and they go, shoot, that wasn't right. And then they go back and they do it again. Perfect. Shoot, I was late. And they finally started jumping later, I mean, jumping earlier to be on time, even though that didn't feel right because of a coach helping them out. So... John, how do you keep people being fans of the sport? Get people to value watching the sport? Oh, that's the isn't that the sixty four thousand dollar question? Yeah. At the same time, I think once somebody sees it, they they find it easy to come back. Um, I think I'm going to go over to Italy this summer and sort of talk to a bunch of people to see if there's any new ideas there that they're doing. Um, I was over in Germany last summer doing the same thing. You know, because there you go. I mean, you played in it. You go there and there's. There's there's no NFL football. There's no there's soccer. baseball. There's, and there's just some soccer, basketball. and then there's basketball and volleyball. And so there's great crowds. But when you go watch those Greek matches, and you know the fireworks are going off, and you know, I mean, I played. Fireworks, the key, just <laughs> any kind of pyrotechnic. Yeah, that, Not in Brazil though. After yesterday, coming up yeah. next week on fireworks. I'm talking about food. I, I'm more thinking food the way that that Claire went fast here, but. <laughs> It's when we have a non-athlete in the in the uh, realm. Wow! <laughs> wow! Oh, oh, sorry. Barnett is yeah, offline. Yeah, Kevin is offline. Have some. And now he's back. Some purposeful I, technical difficulties. I wish I had a picture of that look. That would be a great face for the net live. Wow! Put Jeremy's face cutting there. deep there. John, if people want information on some of the things you've talked about, want to participate in growth of the game, where do they need to go? Uh, the USA website or the Facebook website, um, both are easy to find. Facebook.com slash USA Volleyball? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, okay. and USAVolleyball.org for the uh, the website that has all the material and things like that. And you can also email, this is a tough one, info at USAV.org. That's you. 
that's everybody. It comes in and then it gets routed out to the right people. You know? Who does it go to? If I send a nasty email to info, where does it go? Uh, I think it goes to the receptionist who is very skilled at Mary dealing Ann? with Yeah, Marianne. Really knows how to deal with people like you. I have a hard time getting by on phone calls. <laughs> Gatekeeper. That's right. I need another route in. <laughs> but All right. you know, I do want to say two quick things. One is if you're ever in Denver or the Carl Springs area, you know, the office is open 9 to 5 or 8 to 5. It's a beautiful right. new building, too. And, building and, I worked in at one point. Yeah, we want you to come by and swing by. We've had a lot of people because they and see it now Fill more, Fillmore off of the I-25. Make a left. Park Garden of the Gods. Go on to Sinton Road, mm-hmm. and you got to parallel the freeway. It's a nice, beautiful blue there building. There you are. And the other thing is just if anybody listen here ever sees a kid with a hearing aid that is being signed to that's deaf, uh, this year is the 2013. The Deaf Olympics might be an uh, interesting show to see if you can pull it off. I don't know. Some of the guys can talk that are on the team, and I, you know, of course, you had the one. We had our one guy on our net, our net, Olympic team that was deaf. But the Deaf Olympics, and then the sitting volleyball. Uh, over 50% of the kids that are on the on the team right now were found by just coaches that listen to the net live type people that see a kid with a prosthetic and go, "Do you know about the Paralympics?" And they go, "The what?" And, and they all of a sudden find themselves going from just being a high school player that's a like Laura Webster, our captain, was 3A player of the year, uh, won the state, you know, lost her lower leg to cancer. We didn't know about her until an official said, there's this kid that's playing great. And boom, within six months, she's fighting for a Paralympic bronze medal. Even though she's a high school kid, she had skill that was acquired by playing the regular game. And then she takes her prosthetic off. Stork found uh, Katie Holloway that she's a great story worth the talk because she's Jeff Stork head coach of the program yeah at Caltech Northridge well she was a basketball she was a at Northridge at Northridge and missing her her ankle basically and had an ankle prosthetic and now she's this dominant player in the world really truly the best player in the world up the road a piece I I get her in here to talk because she's a delight how do I get on the Paralympics team what part of what what do I have to do you literally just show up at the uh, my knees are broken the I'm in. The, uh, the trainer, no, there's classifiers is what they're called, and they pull on your knees and see how much pain you've got, and they talk about some things. And, oh! and yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh! I would like, like that. That's a good sign that you may have a chance. Yeah. I don't know, was that mental or was that physical? There you go. There's not sure the The maladies. discussion will ensue on the chat board. <laughs> well, one question that I'd like to, to have answered by you, John, while you're here, is a yeah. uh, prediction for the Princeton road trip out here to the West. Um, I know they take on Santa Barbara, San Diego, and, are they playing? and UCSD. Are they taking um, on any other? Are there other matches or just? No, they still? played the alumni and the, they crushed the alumni apparently. But um, boy, prediction! I'm going for two and zero Princeton. Barney called it actually. Wow, and bold. I, you know, I just say that because this group of uh, Princeton Tigers is is a unique group of great kids like Tony from Manhattan Beach that was on the junior national team kids that are players from this area, but also really good kids from these other pockets of men and boys volleyball, Colorado and Chicago and the East coast. And I know that they're, they're going to have some really, they're going to have some depth at Harvard, Penn state, George Mason and Princeton that you've never, I don't think you've ever seen it. Maybe you saw it 20 years ago for whatever reason it happened then. This is the first time you see this sort of not one or two good players, but a five to eight or five to seven players, even a sub that can come in and play well. And that's Princeton's strength for sure. They've got a lot of depth. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to going to my hometown of Camarillo, which is where I grew up. I, you know, I was born in Hollywood and raised in Emerald Bay in the summers. And I'm, But I 
I'm going to head it up to uh, Camarillo, and then I'm going to go up to Santa Barbara, which is where my brother graduated from. John Kessel is Director of Sport Development at USA Volleyball, and you can stop by and see him anytime if you're not here. Yeah, come by here. Come by here in Redondo. <laughs> John, thanks so much for joining us, Thank and you, thanks Mark. for your efforts and on behalf of, of volleyball. It's uh, an important role that you fill and, and the things that you put out. Two-way street. You're making a difference. All right. Thanks, John. And thanks for coming by. Always good to have people here in the studio. Yeah, live. Yeah. It's much more fun when people are live in studio than it is to just have them on the phone. Plus, we don't have to worry about technical problems. Allegedly. Other than other than me getting muted right. by Jeremy. I wouldn't call that I've, a problem. I've offended his sensibility and his place in the world of volleyball. Yeah. And I have pictures. Oh. Oh. Good. There you go. Here, I'll give this back to you, Jeremy. You can, you can suitably respond uh, to how you've been slandered on the show once again. We invite you here each week to be slandered. Well, is the night live, huh? I guess 2013. It's, it's after 12 already. Yeah, that's I mean, I've got a busy day. I got to get ready for UCLA UCI. I still have stats to do because these teams, when they don't play till you know Saturday Sunday, impossible to get ready early. Honestly, first of all, oh, <laughs> he's back. It was Stevie Wonder that was playing earlier. Little Stevie. Anytime People! I, anytime I ask you a question, your first. Guess should Something. be Stevie Wonder just in case, just to be safe. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. And second of all, I can side out. You write side out better you than have me next right set? now. I don't have next set. You call it next I will get a I list of professional volleyball players to email you that have witnessed me siding out. Email doesn't you – witnesses don't mean anything. You've heard about eyewitness testimony. It's unreliable at best. You need some sort of forensic evidence. We only uh, have the what scud, if I send you videotape? We only have the scud missile. What from, if I uh, send you that was one photo? It looked great, but that ball for sure hit the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you video. I have video sighting out. I just want to know why we have Albert on this show fifty-five times and we still haven't gone the net live Turks and Caicos. Yeah, on him. Only cool guys like me get to go. No, yeah. that's true. I got to work on my cool factor. Dusty's got it, but maybe we can minimize my role, maximize yours. What happens on the couch? I do want to say. Uh, one thing I wanted to get in today, I was able to participate in the SC alumni volleyball match on Saturday. And you were able to walk today. Able to walk, yeah. Did you get in? I got in. I was really impressed, actually, at the guys that came back. Um, pretty young. You know, you never know with alumni matches. You're not sure who's going to show up. Yeah. And because Bill Ferguson has been there for seven years now, he's to the point where some of the players that he brought in at the beginning of his tenure are now, you know, in their in their older 20s and still able to get out there and and obviously were big players at their, in their day. And uh, it was, it was pretty good to see the, gave the kids a little bit of a battle, took a game off of them. Nice. I mean, I'm awesome. just going to say, and then uh, of course had a ruckus uh, after party, you know, adults only clearly, in, but in Galen, um, there was a, there was a small get together in Galen and then a, uh, an establishment just, just up the road. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Took a couple of nice photos in Bill's office there. He's got a great bunch of memorabilia yeah. players to play professionally, other people and, he has a surfboard and a couple of pictures of him. Yeah, Bill Ferguson, a professional youth, surfer, youth, uh, oh really, international surfing sensation, back in the '80s. But yeah, Tony Chiarelli was there, Austin Zahn, Steve Shandrick, some of the big names, Jimmy Killian from just recent years. So that was cool to see. It wasn't just um, you know Hov and what was the score? Uh, we lost in the third, fifteen ten, I think. So we split games with them. Oh, I see. You yeah, best of uh, best of three. Best but you had three. fun. You were out there getting on. Yeah, um, would have been great to see some of maybe the older big names there. Hav was there, didn't play. Celso Kalachi is a huge, huge name from the 70s international scene, was there. Uh, Bill Stetson, who's set after Dusty Dvorak. 
guys like that, but they didn't they didn't play. It would have been cool to see OB just kind of chattering. Well, Stetson, Stetson was maybe hoping that the other guys would play because that would give more work for him, but hard yeah. for him to work on himself. Right, exactly. Orthopedic surgeon. He is a, yeah, orthopedic surgeon probably has paid you a couple visits. Should. You <laughs> need to be repaired. Trying to get trying to get health insurance right now. Try that. I want you to be on the uh, sitting team. I had this discussion with Katie Holloway following our experience at convention. By the way, the photo of Jay getting blasted in the face was hilarious. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Man, it's tough. You get hit in the face a lot, and that the ball is just humming around your head. I had a lot of fun. It was it was a blast playing that game. But and Katie's like, we got to figure out a way to get you on the team, and I would love to play. My response was, there's no way. I can take a spot from from somebody else on that team. There's no way that that, that being a ringer is yeah. anything good for anybody. True, but it's also... Because I don't qualify. Well, it's, you yeah, can maybe thing. smith like, me in there, but I don't qualify. Depends on what the requirements are, because not everybody is missing a limb on the sitting team. Correct? No, there are some other qualifications. I, yeah. I think there's uh, mental deficit stuff. But if you remember back in 2000, the Spanish basketball team, it was just a bunch of what Spanish year? basketball players. I don't remember players. years anymore. Yeah, I think it was 2000. <laughs> It's just a bunch of Spanish basketball players. It really wasn't a an actual oh, handicap yeah. team, uh, and and even you know my knees don't work great for volleyball, but it doesn't mean that I can go play sitting. It doesn't mean I can qualify for the Paralympics. It doesn't mean you're good enough to play on the sitting. There you go. Who says you're going to take somebody's spot? True that. No. True that. Not afraid to heat it up against. Plus, you just be yelling at people to set you. Set me. No. <laughs> go right back to old Barney College Barney. I'm open. Yeah. Set you me. Mean, you mean just getting roofed straight down? By who? Everyone. That never happened. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Reed about that. Yeah. People wanted that to happen. That never happened. I need I need some evidence. Roofed straight down. Yeah. It happened. Let it me happened. ask you this. I yeah. think I've asked Reed this. Would you rather hit a ball out of bounds or get absolutely roofed? Uh, what You mean mentally for me or for my team? And, and For as, you personally. Because if you get roofed, you're at least going for it. If you hit it out, you hit it out. Honestly, I don't know that I can dissect two. I don't care. To me, they're equal. Okay. Either one is not a kill for me. True like that. you could throw in there that somebody dug me, and I don't like that anymore. True that. <laughs> Honestly, I want the ball dead every time I touch it. Okay, just curious. Hmm. I just chisel off the block. Yeah, that's I mean, how I roll. I don't. Those, neither of those even register in my mind because <laughs> it never happened. Yeah, it never happened. Well, when you set, you don't hit. So put it away. <laughs> I dump every time though when I'm in the front row. I see. I see the guard off. <laughs> Gardhoff is active. Is he already on it? It's because people are drunk. Do you know how Look many at, drinking hold on. How many drinks <laughs> people had to take during the show today? Yeah. A lot of moto talk. Hold on. Right. Moto talk, growing the game. What else was there? We hit moto talk at 14 minutes. That's a little early even for me. There's a little, there was a lot of drinking. Here. Here. Oh, is this a photo of you? Yeah, it's Justin Barsha and it's photo number two, bar. by the way, just in case you were wondering. Injured this week in a second turn pile up in the main. In Oakland. He'll be back in Hold Anaheim on. this week. Where did this come from? Gardhoff just said that to me. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad he used the Ted photo. Yeah. We'll get that up on the Facebook page momentarily. I actually got a good Mark Wahlberg uh, connection now. I'm actually uh, working out at a gym nearby here with Mark Wahlberg's personal trainer. Hold on. That. Hold on a second. Yeah. Truth. I like Mark Wahlberg. I like Mark Wahlberg as a behind-the-scenes guy. His acting. Oh, I like him as an actor. Iffy. He's the same really? character. But I would like to hang out with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, so it's Mark Wahlberg playing Mark Wahlberg? In every, single, la, in every single movie he plays. A la, uh, what's-his-face? Uh, but I want to hang out with him. 
Christopher Walken, who always plays himself. Yes, I like Mark Wahlberg. I, I he's great in uh, Perfect Storm. If you can get him onto this show, I will never make fun of you again. I don't think that's happening. Uh, you're dead to me then. No, I don't think that's happening. He's far too important. My man signed on for all kinds of important stuff that does not include this show. It's actually not my man, his man. He got into a ruckus in New York City filming. Don't get in a ruckus with Wahlberg right now. He is no, no, no. Straight like, up he, buff. He, for the movie that he just recently did, he got all drunk in the last scene and like just tore up New York City a la Tupac style. And because the police were like, okay, you need to calm down now, he called the mayor. Called the mayor directly just to smooth things over. Is that's it, how, that's how big a deal he is. Wow. He called the mayor of New York. Wow. Hey, bro, sorry I got drunk on purpose for my role. I know I destroyed a bunch of stuff. I'll pay for it. Please don't arrest me. It's funny. Somebody said to me, well, what else does Sean White do besides the X Games? I said, well, apparently he drinks in Nashville. Nice. <laughs> Gets in fights. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, if that's the biggest problem you're having in your day, you're doing all right. Good show. Great job. Glad to be here again. Thanks to the Johns. John Kessel, John Spra. Yeah. Thanks to Kelly Schofield. Kelly Sheffield. Sheffield. Who do we have confirmed for next week already, Kevin? You are... uh, hand me that piece of paper over there oh, underneath what? that bamboo sample. Working on some cabinetry here at the home court. Next week, the plan is this. Oh, we've got to see what kind of pull I have. Marv Dunphy. Doug Beal. And somebody else from a new program. And we're is that what it says there? Somebody else from a new program? Actually, it's blank. I just I ad-libbed that, Jeremy. Gotcha, sorry. That's what I am. I'm an entertainer. Oh, boy. And then we're working on Justin Forsett. I gotta just got to reach out to him. Wow. Running back for the, for Texans. the Texans. Yep, yeah. he's got a product called uh, the Shower Pill, which I think my kids could use sometimes. The Shower Pill. I think it's over there. Jeremy, it's over by you. The shower pill? What are you talking about? It's uh, yeah, it's on the right hand side. I'm I don't know. I intrigued and frightened equally. Like I can take a pill instead of taking a it's shower. It's kind of like a handy wipe for your body. Okay. Okay. You, you open it up, wipe yourself down in between practices or training, whatever. If you're, if you're flying cross country, post club practice. Or if you, some of these kids that are not showering up right away, they got a long ride ahead of them. You just open those one up, wipe yourself down. Can't use just a normal baby wipe or whatever. Do you want to smell like a baby wipe? Specially formulated, Justin Forsett. Specially formulated. So we're, we'll have him at some point on here. I want to hear about it, yeah. I am that live volleyball. That one's going to go up on the Facebook page yeah. here in just a moment. Absolutely. Big thanks to Volleyball Magazine. Of course, the Spire Institute, spireinstitute.org, changing the way youth sports athletes train, making it smarter. John Hawks, head of development over there with Michael Johnson, sports performance. We appreciate their support of this program. Remember, $10 T-shirts coming up this afternoon. If you want to pick up a NetLive shirt, give DJ Roche a couple of hours to get home, get back on the Internet, and change the price there. It will be down to 10 bucks and a few dollars shipping. Remember, that is supporting this program. It is a direct support for this show so we could buy another microphone so Jeremy can continue to get really upset. <laughs> Somebody said on the message board, the uh, shower pill, um, Dumber than ear back. <laughs> <laughs> That's not uh, nice. Well, it That's certainly awesome. does suck. That <laughs> <Does it> cut. <laughs> oh man, good times. Are oh. we the Wayne's world of the volleyball? World? We, we might be. I can't wait to see what shower pills could be on the collage for sure. It's oh. over there. Find it. Wait, no, find it right now. Take a look. I don't want to touch a shower. I don't know. I'm looking at the. Somebody shared the link on the chat Get board. The link? Yeah. It's over right there next to the I mean, it's showerpill.com. Jeremy, Jeremy, it's not next really... to the phone, next to the printer. The pile of paper. It's a little plastic deal. 
No, it's not a pill. It's, there you go. Pick that up. Oh, is it shower pill? Is that what it's called? The athletic body wipe. No, it's got another name. It's torn on the top. What does it say? Shower pill. Sh- yep, shower pill. There you go. The athletic body wipe. Single premium wipe. Premium. That's nine how we by eight, Nine by eight. Yeah, well. Oh, nine feet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For the a whole huge team. towel. <laughs> For the whole it. team. All right, guys. We're going to roll this out. Everybody, everybody lay down. <laughs> everybody do your angels. Oh, man. Fear not, everyone. I'm going to take a photo of it with my phone and put it on the Facebook page. All right. We appreciate you tuning in for the Net Live. Hold on, hold on. It's been open, by the way. Well, yeah, I had to check it out. And? You gave it to me in Dallas last year. And? I was clean. I was wearing a tie. I did not need it. Just smelled it, felt it. I don't know. I haven't tried it. Amazing. Okay, in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Our next show is February 4th. That is a Monday. We work, are working continually on bringing you the best in the world of volleyball. We'll see if we can get Pepperdine's Mark Dunphy to join us, Doug Beal from USA Volleyball, as well as another coach who is in a new position. That's the day after the Super Bowl, too, so sure to have some Super Bowl talk. Yeah, going to have Super Bowl hangover. First like, 25 minutes football talk oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. Hey. Looking forward to it. It's a sports show. The Net Live. Kevin, Dustin, and Jeremy, we appreciate you being here. Jeremy, all set with that music there? Put out. Let's get out of here. Have a great week, everybody. Get out and play some volleyball. Remember, UCI and UCLA, Pac-12 Network, tomorrow night.